Hey, what's up? Welcome to Movie Dumpster Season 3, Episode 22. Today we're talking Evil Speak from 1981, directed by Eric Weston. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor Esteban McGraw. Welcome to the dumpster. Oh, Satan. Oh, Lucifer. Appear forthwith. Show thyself to me. I, Stanley Cooper Smith, command you! Fuck yeah, Esteban. <laughs> Can't tell if he's an evil cleric or if he's like an electro artist or something. Because a little bit of both, I think. <laughs> you know? Or if he's uh, about to go take on Flynn over control of the grid. <laughs> Fuck it, man. He's he's like dabbling. He's like, oh, look at this new technology in the 80s. We can do hell in the digital space? <laughs> it's endless now. Oh, my God. We can damn through people through emails. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the chain emails you get? Yeah. Through this primitive... DOS thingamajig that requires blood. <laughs> he wants that consecrated sacrifice, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> but make sure it's human. Mm-hmm. Don't make that mistake. That was the catch, man. It it, it only gives you information piecemeal. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> He's got to type in just about that entire fucking Bible before he gets the right information. <laughs> yeah, please please transcribe this entire, this entire literary piece into this computer before you're able to access any of it. Man, I did all 249 out of 250 pages, and this just ain't clicking. Let me just... <laughs> You know, let me just do this last page just in case. Ah, oh, shit! The puzzle pieces, they're finally, it's finally coming together. I get it now. Oh, man. Now it's like buried somewhere on Reddit. Yeah, on Reddit inside Clint Howard's mind. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, before we get rolling into this, uh, I believe we have some Patreon questions. Sean, if you could do the honors. We have some of the weirdest Patreon questions this week. Looking at you, Leonardo <laughs> Gorlami. <laughs> What 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 is Gorlami? What does that even mean? It's uh it's from Inglorious Bastard is when uh wait a Brad second Pitt. do you do you have to explain this to Sean? Oh right, <laughs> Brad Pitt right. That's that's the one word he knew and it didn't even mean anything. Well, it's his it's his fake character's last name, but he says it with such a you know a yeah. Southern American drawl that Hans Land is like say it again, and Brad Pitt's like Gorlami. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that man had some fucking luck to make it out of the movie alive. Let's just put it that way. A river <laughs> Right. Okay, it's all coming back to me now. That's the goof. <laughs> uh, carving a swastika into uh, what's-his-face's head. Yeah, right. Perfect. Patreon questions. Starting off with uh, a little self-deprecating humor, I suppose, here from uh, Nick Lowry saying, being an ugly man myself, I always loved seeing Clint Howard pop up in movies. Uh, Nick, don't be so hard on yourself. I uh, I see your picture. I don't think you qualify as an ugly man, just my personal opinion. Definitely not Clint Howard ugly either. What are you talking about? No, no. Uh, I, I wouldn't even say Steve Buscemi ugly. <laughs> <laughs> or unique, rather. Right, yeah. Yes. Exactly. But to get to his actual question at heart here, could Mr. Howard be an unofficial spokesperson for ugly guys? And if so, what would his slogan be? I'm infested! That was what I was going to say. <laughs> 
with with handsomeness. He like does like what, press tours. He'd be like, "It's okay to be Hollywood ugly. <laughs> it's okay to be infested. You can look like this as long as they can sell it to people. You're infested with beauty." <laughs> he ta- he takes off his hat and he's like, "Listen, for years I used to just try to hide this with wigs, but now you know." It adds an additional zero to the check when I get signed for a film, so if you just lean into it. Now I've embraced the role of mad scientist assistant. Um, I I truly don't know uh, how to answer this question. <laughs> um, maybe he's born with it. Maybe it's Clint Howard. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know. You know what it is? Might be that feather earring that he's got. That's what does it for me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's it's not the uh, ticks growing out of his face. No, it's no. The, it's the feather earring. You put his ass on the cover of GQ with that. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know if that actually answers your question, Nick. We we I guess we all agree we'd like to see that, but we don't. Uh, I don't know that we agree on a slogan per se. I love it. Also, don't call yourself ugly. Yeah. Yes, please. Sexier than drying paint, maybe? I don't know. We'll workshop it. Hmm. Better than stabbing yourself in the eyes with a hot poker. Mm, Clint Howard. Clint has signed Clint <laughs> Howard. Boy, the bar for this catchphrase is low. Like, <laughs> If looks could thrill, that's what his... There you oh, go. okay, there you go. You like that one? Could be worse. A chimp could rip my face off. <laughs> could be worse. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think who is actually uglier than Clint Howard without just being incredibly mean, and nobody comes to mind. I mean, the only person I can think of is Willem Dafoe, but he's not, much, he's not as ugly as he is terrifying. Sure. Um, again, like, he's, like, handsome in a weird way. Like a frog with human, like a human skin on it. <laughs> right, right. I love Willem Dafoe. <laughs> One of the best character actors of our time, let's be real here. Yeah, Green Goblin says it all. Going on to our next question, from Leonardo. We, got, we uh, you know, Connor hinted this one. If you had to infest Clint Howard with a different type of creepy crawly, which would you choose? And Leonardo gives his uh, answer. He says, I'd put some Ninos de la Tierra uh, potato bugs in there, maybe a hundred. So he's really giving it to Clint in this uh, hypothetical here. I think Clint takes enough abuse. Jesus, why are we filling him with more creepy crawlies? But And a hundred potato bugs at that. A hundred, like, I don't know. I think he could walk away with that, right? Are we talking about the roly-polies, the little boys that, like, Curl up when you touch them into the balls. I think so. I think that's what that's well. That's what I used to call potato bugs when I was a kid, right? I mean, I mean, he definitely didn't survive a uh, gigantic uh, steroided up tick exploding from his face no. that then landed on uh, Amy Dolan's. Landed on Amy Dolan's. Yeah. So I don't know how well the potato bugs would do. Um, Leonardo, you also previously what was that? You asked us if if you would take a hundred tut you know tick bites. Oh yeah, for a hundred grand. So what's with all the bug obsession? Um, let's pump him full of bot flies. Oh wow, oh, Jesus! No thanks. Yeah. Um. Now all I'm seeing is like that video of that monkey that's sedated that they're taking the bot flies out of. Now imagine that. Oh my god. Ah, uh, I I can't like like imagine Clint Howard sedated on his back and they're like pulling shit out of his neck. <laughs> ah! It's all big. I saw a video of a veterinarian pulling one out of a kitten's nose. I was like, oh, Jesus. What was that stuff that uh, Michael Ray Bauer had poured on him in the willies? Mugwort? Mealworms. Mealworms. Let's stick those in Clint Howard's face. (laughs) They would crawl into his skull and just eat his brain. Um, I would push him into the Chesapeake Bay from the movie The Bay and just sit back and watch. As these mutated isopods inv- invade his body and eat him from the inside. Wait a second. 
Then we have like zombie Clint Howard walking around. No, he'll no, he'll drop in like an hour or two. Those things are just going to devour your insides. Well, maybe. Lest we forget the House of the Dead, I think we already have a zombie <laughs> Clint Howard walking around. <laughs> Shalish. That's what happens. Someone shoved him into the fucking bay. We definitely have a Clint Howard walking around with a fucking hook hand, for sure. <laughs> he knows what you did last summer? Oh, he sure does. <laughs> imagine. <laughs> God, imagine him in that role. Clint as Ben Willis. But he's wearing like the Gordon Fisherman like yellow fucking raincoat like he is in House of the Dead. Oh my god. I need that shit now. <laughs> that's that that's some MDU ass shit. <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt's running from this fucking clown giggling. <laughs> what are you waiting for? He's like I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I was just growing some weed or whatever. Sorry. You want an ice cream cone with some eyeballs in it? Oh wait we didn't get to that movie yet. <laughs> I'm going to sick my pigs on you or whatever. Surprisingly enough, evil speak, he does not have the patented uh, Clint Howard voice yet. No, he's a very young man. He hasn't quite gotten there yet. It's the most normal I've ever seen this man. And he's still not quite normal, as we'll, as we'll talk about shortly. So, Leonardo, we hope that answers your question. We, uh, we're we just going to mutilate uh, Clint Howard even more so than he ever has been, clearly. Yeah, poor fuck. This is his tipping point, though, I think, this film. Uh, it just might be. I think it was. It was, it was the straw that broke the, the, the Howard's back. Yep. <laughs> the, not, not the proverbial, the actual the Howard. The actual Howard. <laughs> um, next up, Dustin Elkins with a question. He asks, If the Russo brothers were directing the next big MCU movie and they casted Clint Howard as the lead, <laughs> what superhero would they choose? Does it have to be a superhero, or can it be a villain? That's the question. Okay. I, I mean, you know, shoot. What are you thinking? I would love Clint Howard as Doctor Doom. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, my lord. Oh. That's a visual. Wow, that's a good fucking answer. Um, Professor X. <laughs> yeah, Professor X. Oh, you're Logan, where? You can't get mad at me for putting psychic blockers in Gene's head. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a, that's a that's a tough nut to crack. Uh, Clint Howard as a superhero. I don't. I'm, I'm drawing a blank to be quite honest. <laughs> you know, on a slightly more serious answer, he would probably be pretty cool as one of the Watchers. Those weird dudes with the big heads. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Oh, there you go. Um, whose exact role in the Marvel universe? I don't remember. They watch. You know, you know what? Yeah, I don't I don't have a hero that comes to mind, but like the Tinkerer, he could probably pull that off. Possibly. I like that. Just just from a visual standpoint, and Clint can play that crazy <laughs> like guy up his own ass kind of uh, character. Oh shit. Wait sure. a minute. Um Modoc. That floating yeah, that could good. be kind of cool, right? <laughs> That's not a bad answer. I'm thinking of everything now. Um I would love to see him as Beast, but, like, be bald on the top of his head. <laughs> but the rest is all blue fur. Okay. The shiny blue chrome dome. Oh, yeah. And then um, Adrian Toomes, the, the vulture. <laughs> Wait, oh I like God. that a lot. Yeah. But yeah, like, yeah. But when he gets young, he's still bald. Sure. <laughs> it, just, it fixes everything but that. But that bald spot, because he's been bald since he was born. Uh, just going with the uh, super villain route. Sorry if this isn't answering your question, <laughs> Dustin, but it's uh, more fun. Uh, I'd like to see him play Mr. Freeze in Batman and Robin, like line for line. That, but you know, every line Arnold says, but it's Clint Howard. Oh my God! All right, everybody, chill. <laughs> 
freeze. <laughs> I think he'd be good as like he'd be good as one of the weirdo Batman villains too, like Clock Kane or Ratcatcher or something well, like that. That, yeah, rat, that might be cool. Yeah, yeah. Not Penguin. Uh, Come on. No, that's Colin Farrell in enough makeup to make him look like the guy from uh, fucking Spin City. <sighs> Why? That's my only gripe with that so far. Is like, all right, if you, I don't know, it didn't need it. <laughs> You cast this gorgeous Irish man, and you bared him under a ton of makeup. Yeah, yeah well, this poor motherfucker's got to go through makeup for ten hours a day now, <laughs> just to, to for what? Uh, I I could see Clint Howard being like the original Booster Gold, like in a Booster Gold movie. Huh. I don't know who that is. Or or not not Booster. Excuse me. He could be Ted Cord. Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay. And you have the young, you know, the kid come in like the yeah. more updated version. And, it, you know, it's just, like, shocking to the eyes that that Clint Howard ever saved the world from anyone. Yep, I was a blue beetle. <laughs> and you could have Booster Gold could be, uh, you know, could be uh, Bruce Campbell. Like, they're both old and some or some shit. Well, spoilers for you, Dustin. Um, he's the new Captain America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Elaborate on that, please. It's not Falcon, and it's it's not Bucky. It's, <laughs> it's fucking Clint, dude. Falcon was like, wait a minute, I don't have any powers. Here, take this. And Clint's like, oh, I guess so. All right, thanks, Mr. Falcon. He's just awesome at it. Like, he throws it yeah, right? <laughs> they, they put him in the super soldier program, but again, he's, like, jacked, but he still has the same head. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. Just don't like bullies. But instead of, like, wearing, like, the Captain America regalia, he just wears, like, an American flag t-shirt. Oh, and, man. like, fucking, like, jeans with a belt, and it's all tucked into it. Yes, but not even, like, a tank, like, an American tank top, American flag tank yeah, top. Oh, man. yeah, with mm-hmm. with those uh, hairy arms hanging out. Uh, oh, of yeah. It. Guys, he's wearing red, white, and blue feety pajamas, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. With the hood and everything, like. I like it. I'd, I'd Sign me up. i fucking watch the <laughs> shit out of that. Yeah, I'd check it out. Why not? How bad could it be? <laughs> I mean, he could be pretty fucking bad. I mean, honestly. Um, okay. We have one more question from Patreon from uh, Serge Mario. Hello, Serge. That's him, Sergio. And he says, uh, you get to set loose any movie monster into the Medea Halloween movie you guys covered. <laughs> oh. What monster would you like to see terrorize them? I already have an answer because we talked about it on that episode I want the fucking House of the Dead zombies to get these sons of bitches. You know, I want to see Medea blow them away. You know, drop kick some zombies. <laughs> Have uh, the, the whole gang beat the hell out of them. You know, you know they'd be able to do it. Um, I'm gonna pick the Cathoga from the Relic or the Mub One from the from the Relic. <laughs> okay. Just so I can see Tyler Perry get his fucking head bitten off and then the wig roll off his head. Um, I'm gonna go with the thing. <laughs> <laughs> How fucking funny would it be if, like, you know, it's disguising itself as the cast and, like, well, I don't know, who, whoever Medea's friends are, like, would them start shaking and tentacle driver fucking Mabel, hands. I think, was one of them. Bam's fucking head splits in half. <laughs> There's two Medeas at one point? <laughs> oh, no. Like the faculty or some shit? She starts screaming. You know that fucking scream it does? Yeah. With the long fingers? Nah, come here now. We're going to poke your blood with a hot poker. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, you have the scene from the faculty where they have, like, the shit in the pens, and they're basically snorting it to see if any of them are infected. Oh, yeah, dude, guaranteed to jack you up. Yeah, yeah, but it's Medea. Fucking stab her right in the eye with that. And, and you know, the t- what was the Tyler Perry character it was, like, Uncle Brian. He's, like, of course, the one that starts transforming when they're all tied to the chairs in the living room, and they can't they can't <laughs> ever escape the living room. <laughs> Josh Hartnett's there with his bad haircut. I know it's been a long night, and you guys have been through a lot. <laughs> 
besides the zombies that we we were promised in the trailer and were not given, I yeah. think uh, Lubden would be a, a great addition to that movie. <laughs> Because you know Medea and the crew, are t- and, and especially those jocks, mm. are going to be taking Lubden's gold, and he wants it back. Oh, dude, he's going to get you with that starfish. Watch out. Oh, he's going to drop a bunch of bricks on you. Oh, yeah, he will. <laughs> Push over a fucking brick wall on you, yep. I mean, that's like the ultimate showdown when you think about it. Lubden versus Medea. Is it, though? Like, how, how does that even end? Like, she's got to win, right? No, 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 no. You don't think so? <laughs> She would win because he would turn. She would suddenly Tyler Perry sucker punch him in the chest, like into the well. A five hundred pound punch right to that little man's face. Yep. Yeah, hit hits the well, goes through the portal, and just hits the card table, and just goes right through it. <laughs> Flips over. Cumdar's like, ah, oh, you ruined our game. P head gets all pissed off. He's like, I was up. <laughs> Lubden just shakes himself off, and he's transformed back into Lucky. He's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> now I have to wait till next St. Patrick's Day to take out Medea. <laughs> What are you even talking about? I'm imagining my movie ending with Uncle Brian and Medea across from the burnt out building, both with flamethrowers, just like, all right, who's changing? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know you got a goddamn prostate. <laughs> um, or like, what if what if it ended? <laughs> what if it ended? Like Wishmaster, where like Medea makes a wish that like undoes like time and space by accident like trying to fix it like everything sure she's just left in a black voice mm-hmm john hurt fucking comes rolling in just yelling into it where the hell am i <laughs> well well done I, even i haven't managed to do this yet oh my god it's like harry potter when harry potter crosses over and dumbledore's there but it's john hurt he's like ah medea i see you're here finally right he's in that train station in limbo <laughs> So you finally fulfill your purpose of ending all of reality. Congratulations. You know, the sad thing is I could see John Hurt opening the car door to let Medea in, and she just, like, running the other way, like, oh, hell no! Like, I don't want to join this guy. <laughs> you don't have a choice. She just elbows him, and she takes over the car. Yeah, get you know, Michael Michael Clark Duncan steps out, like, turns, there's sand on the ground, and just turns into <laughs> Michael Clark Duncan, like, standing right in front of Medea. <laughs> then the real movie starts, right? Yeah. Because yeah. now she's rip-roaring through fucking time and space, you know? Yeah, there you go. This new Medea movie sounds like a mescaline trip. Medea time bandit. <laughs> you know, honestly, like, we're joking. Outside of the MDU uh, relations, that's not too far off from uh, a potential Medea movie. Probably. But it's more interesting than any of the other Medea movies, I think. Agreed. I mean... She's going to space at some point. That has to happen, right? If it if it hasn't already, like we might have missed it. Maybe. Well, now we got to find it. You know, there's got to be a Medea movie where she is the one that accidentally gets like on the space shuttle when it gets launched early <laughs> by mistake. It's like her and uh, Mabel and Aunt Aunt uh, what was her name? Aunt B or Aunt Bay or whatever. Bam. And, and Uncle J- Aunt Bam and Uncle Joe all on the fucking you know. In a spaceship circling the Earth and how they get home. You know, it's got to be... If it isn't made already, you know it's coming. It's a race to see who gets to space first. The Fast and Furious crew or Medea. Probably Medea. <laughs> that's, that's my bet. But Eddie Murphy's on the space station, though, and it's like his hell. Because now he has to deal with like all the other characters from Medea. <laughs> Just shoots himself in the head. He doesn't even want to... Could you imagine that? 
like all of Eddie Murphy's characters, like versus Medea's, like all of Tyler Perry's characters on a space station. That is a nightmare. <laughs> that that's that is where somebody who's on site just either the, if their head doesn't explode, they hit the detonation button and just nuke the entire space station just to save the rest of humanity. It's like that guy in um, <clears throat> Event Horizon that just like opens the pod bay door to go out into space, <laughs> baby bear. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm good. I'll take decompression. <laughs> yes. God, that is a ooh, that is an ugly scene by the way when they bring them back in oh yeah mm-hmm. um so that's all i got for patreon you guys want to talk a little uh evil speak well i actually have an email here oh threw me a little curveball yeah so i'm gonna read that one for you uh this one comes from brendan lemune our, our very good friend um and patron yes and patron um and winner of the one of the barbecue giveaway uh, packs. Oh yeah, he loves the sun beating <laughs> down on his neck. He's gonna make some barbecue sauce. Uh, he's gonna make some ribs, I think. Oh yeah, with that uh, dumpster rub, it's gonna be good. Rub it up. Uh, Brendan says, "Hey fellas, love the show. Uh, proud to be a dumpster dweller. Looking forward. I look forward to your podcast every week. Just wondering what you guys have been watching during this pandemic." Just as I watch The Thing every snow day, I've been watching post-apocalyptic movies that deal with viruses during these times. Uh, Off the top of my head, I can think of The Terror Within 1 and 2, pretty much the same movie except one has Kennedy and the the second Ermy. Uh, They're both great. Pretty pretty great, though. And I think... uh, uh, what's Andrew Stevens is in that film, too. The first one, anyway. uh, Who was just on Munchie that we just did. (laughs) Oh, what character was that in Munchie? Doc- Dr. Carlisle. Oh, God. Bernie Lomax himself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sans mustache, I'm pretty sure. Ah, <laughs> that piece of shit. Yeah. Reanimator. <laughs> um, the other is Teenage Cavemen from 2001. Uh, it's straight to dumpster trash, but it's on my shelf. Let me know what you think. So, I've never actually seen Teenage Cavemen. Um... I have seen Terror Within 1 and 2, and I love them, and obviously thing is a cl- it, The Thing is a classic. Um... Uh, I actually haven't personally watched any uh, pandemic-esque films or, you know... Virus situation? Like a virus kind of thing? Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like uh, one, one location kind of trapped in. I guess, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, zombie movies kind of fall in that territory now. Yeah. I mean, not the same exact thing, obviously. Sure. I'm trying to think if I, if I had watched anything that was similar lately. Yeah, I mean, I haven't personally i mean no. I, I watched return of the living dead recently if, again if that counts if that counts well some parts do <laughs> i don't think it does though i mean it gets the old uh, umbrella you know raccoon city treatment at the end there so sure you does know, <laughs> look into that how you want don't worry guys they're rebuilding it for the netflix show that everyone's excited about <laughs> uh we're not going to talk about that on the show because then that that'll make it real it's just going to turn it into uh, it's just going to you know what happens when we start fucking talking about shit then it happens then it happens happens <laughs> um i you know to answer your question though uh brandon uh since quarantine i've just been watching realistically i've uh, been watching movies but uh, a lot of anime a, a shit ton of anime uh a, a boatload of fucking anime let's be quite honest so i guess that's my answer black clover check it out it's pretty fucking good if you haven't seen it there you go I think uh, I think the answer is that I've only been watching movies for the show because I haven't had a chance to watch anything <laughs> yeah, leisurely. Right? No, yeah. There's certainly a lot of that. Oh, oh! I watched Bill and Ted, and that was great, but that doesn't count. Well, it counts. It's just not a uh, virus movie. No, unless you consider Bill and Ted a virus. I would consider them the cure. 
Um, <laughs> I agree. I burned through both seasons of Harley Quinn. I've started Doom Patrol. Uh, Umbrella Academy's next. Um, and every time I go on Shudder, I kind of just see what the featured movies are and usually pop one of them on. And honestly, I haven't really been let down by any of them. They've got the, uh, like this wave of new Korean horror films on there that are all really cool. Um, yeah, but I haven't really been going on my way to see anything new, like nothing that's come out in digital or, you know, uh, streaming services as opposed to theaters, um, and lots of movie dumpster stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All the shows I would watch are, uh, shut down until next year, so. (laughs) I know I watched, like, all the Tremors movies earlier in the year when they first came on Netflix, but, uh, just trying to think, like, other horror stuff that wasn't specifically for MD, I feel like if I sit down for a movie and it's not for movie, like I watched Ice Cream Man, speaking of Clint Howard yeah. earlier in the year because I've never seen it, uh, but I feel like I don't do that as much. Usually I'll watch like a, a TV show, uh, like I watched, you know, with my girlfriend Narcos, we we kind of got into that for a couple weeks and watched the whole series. You know, she watched more than I did because I had other uh, things going on, but when we were both home not really doing anything... Uh, there was a lot of that on the TV, but yeah, I can't uh, say I watched too many virus things. I was kind of trying to keep my mind off of that aspect of the situation personally, but I get that. I totally get why you would go to that. I know a lot of people did. Mm -hmm. I, um, I think I've watched like the beginnings of movies and then just fell asleep. Like (laughs) by the time, like I get time to like, (laughs) by the time I get time to like, just fucking do something like just watch shit for leisure like it's time to go to bed so like i watched the beginning of subspecies and i watched uh the beginning of um i think dream demon uh arrow just put out that blue and i haven't really ha- properly been able to sit down with it yet so i'm looking forward to doing that um when i get some time yeah know the feeling even though i just said that i watched the shit on anime and i know the feeling <laughs> so so yeah so I yeah well thanks for writing in Brendan we appreciate it and thank thank all the um the patrons for for interacting with us and and sending in these questions because it's a ton of fun um and again the shows are a oh, little yeah. bit longer because of them but I I, I dig it I I love our uh, the little preambles we've been having um but yeah so uh so let's get into evil speak let's dive in let's crack it open shall we <laughs> sure <laughs> I don't have a can I can open this is lame. <laughs> <laughs> Crack the code. Crack the code. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fucking f- boot up. Boot up that fucking that MS DOS. That fucking that old ass <laughs> Macintosh. You boot up your fucking Univac. That that apparently has a an immaculate translator built into it. Yes. Better than Google. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. In 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Can translate thousands of year old text. Doesn't have any babblefish involved in it at all. Like old old Latin, right? Um. So yeah, this film's directed by Eric Weston, who really hasn't done that much surprisingly no yeah i saw that yeah uh i think the things of note really he did an episode of uh joe bob's drive-in theater and then he directed do you guys remember that film hyenas from 2011 no no or 2001 i forget when it came out it was like the it was like that early 2000s kick where where like sci-fi was churning out all that bullshit and like the asylum was like they were neck and neck with each other churning out this horse shit right they were both in overdrive right right where we got things like komodo and saber tooth and and, right, and shark to right. and all that bullshit um i've never seen it personally but the cover art like screams that kind of trash and like 
I don't know if I can withstand that stuff anymore. I can't. I just can't do it. I mean, some of that stuff, like, I found myself sitting there watching and kind of enjoying, but it's very far and few between. It really depends, and it depends what kind of mood I'm in, but mostly I'm just like, this is tedious. Sure. Yeah, I don't go out of my way to watch the ghost sharks of the world sure. if I can help it. Yeah, it, it is it is funny you bring that up, though, because I've seen ads on Instagram and Facebook for, like, it's called One More Bite. I guess this thing where they're just like, more shark movies. It's just this fucking barrage of just, like, Sharknado and Ghost Shark and all that other stuff. I was like, this is why I hate you guys. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, people like them or whatever, but I, I just can't do it. I mean, it's just I a, can't. I can't do it. Uh, but it actually kind of looks intriguing. I think it might be one of the only films besides, like, the end of Blade 3 that has a hyena in it. <laughs> so, okay. Whoa. It's like a D&D creature, more or less. Yeah, that's kind of what the movie's about, I'm pretty sure, is where hyenas. Huh. Um, so maybe maybe I'll check it out. I like, th- I, I like that on paper. Yeah, it sounds cool on paper. Um... But yeah, that's really it. And he also wrote this film with uh, Joseph Garofalo, who's written like one other <laughs> movie um, besides this that I've never seen. Um, but he did produce um, Flesh Gordon and the Meets the Galactic Cheerleaders. Oh, okay. <laughs> what is with all these directors lately? Wow. I don't know. Well, he's the writer and he produced that one. But like, Well, sure, right. Yeah, but... Uh, I think I own Flesh Gordon too. How could you not? Like, if, if if you can get your hands on it, you know. I mean, who are you talking to? You know, of course. Sure. But like, uh, but yeah, I've never seen that one. But like, that's right next to the Wankenstein. <laughs> yeah, right there with Kinky Kong. Yeah, Edward Penis hands, dude. Oh my god, it's a thing. Don't worry, I have it. I'm sure it's a thing. Um, the most interesting thing usually with with movies like this is the special effects, right? So. Again, we have some fucking heavy hitters behind this film. Uh, everything was headed by uh, Alan Apone, who did the effects on Faces of Death 1, 2, and 3, uh, X-Ray, Parasite, the one with Demi Moore, uh, Silent Rage that we keep talking about that we want to do with uh, Chuck Norris, where he basically fights yes. a Michael Myers-type uh, guy. Uh, Friday the 13th 3, um... Deadly Eyes, Return of the Living Dead, Neon Maniacs, uh, Invaders from Mars, Hunter's Blood, Return to Horror High, uh, The Uninvited he even worked on, or excuse me, Uninvited. Yeah. You don't, don't <laughs> not to be things. confused. Yeah, not we, to be confused with The Uninvited. Excuse right, me. as we talked about in that episode. Yes. Uh, Chud 2, Twin Peaks, Sphere, Deep Blue Sea, specifically for Sam Jackson, uh, 1408, Iron Man, The Avengers, Django Unchained, Iron Man 3, Thor 2, The Winter Soldier, Age of Ultron, Dunkirk, Jeez. and right now he's working on the new Uncharted movie. Now, what is this guy's name again? Because it sounded familiar. Alan Apone. Alan Apone. I feel like he's come up on the show before, and you said he worked on the Sam Jackson stuff for Deep Blue Sea? Yes. I want to say like a year ago, or it might have been a little bit longer ago, whenever we did Ghost Shark, or somewhere in that territory... I, I want to say it was him or someone else on the on the special at- effects team was talking about how that scene was done in great detail on Twitter. Uh, if I can find that, I'll uh, repost it. But about how they basically had to work with this like really shitty take, 
and uh, like it was really like o- overdone in the post production to make it look good uh, with with him getting ripped into the water because it was just it was shot so fast because Sam Jackson just was like not refused to do the line or some shit. I forget the semantics, but look that up. Sure, I I, I haven't even heard of that, so I, I got to look that up. Um, and then we have like a couple people that uh, I do want to note them, but they haven't. They've only done like this and like one other thing, um, and that's. Uh, uh, Leslie Brusso and uh, Peter Knowlton and Suzanne Moreau. But then we have, uh, but this is a this was a huge one which I didn't know. But Rick Lazzarini worked on this, who is like a Stan Winston staple man, and like he's a really great animatronic uh, creator. Oh wow! Yeah, no, he's really awesome. Um, he's you know this guy's worked on Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters Two, Aliens, Mimic. Ah! Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Spaceballs, specifically like the barf animatronics, like the tail and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Nightmare sure. 5, The Sandlot, Hocus Pocus, uh, one of my favorite TV shows, Monsters, he did a couple episodes for, uh, Slumber Party Massacre. Um, wow. Really good shit. Now that's a resume. <laughs> yeah, dude. And then we got, just scooting along, we got um, Kathy, Kathy Clark, who worked on Cat People and the the Power Rangers. She mostly did costuming for these films that I'm describing. Uh, T3, Dungeon Master, Ghoulies, Robot Jocks, Terror Vision. Um, huh. Robert, yeah, yeah. Robert Clark um, was one of the key sculptors on this. Um, and he did, uh, he worked on Blade Runner and Stargate, uh, From Dust Till Dawn, Batman vs. Superman. Um, and right now he's working on that new Venom movie. Interesting. Yeah, um, and one last guy I want to note, or excuse me, two 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 guys I want to note. Uh, Martin Greenspoon did um, specifically all the the uh, contact effects in this, and his resume is amazing. Um, he did fr- the the contacts for Fright Night and The Howling and Vamp and Lost Boys. Um, and Francisco Perez uh, is the last guy, and he worked on um, They Live, The Gate, Prince of Darkness, X-Men First Class, uh, Infinity War, Endgame, and uh, Avengers Endgame. Damn. Yeah, dude. It's like this whole crew has just like had great careers from way back till now, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot one more. Doug White, who worked on The Alchemist, uh, Return of the Living Dead 2, and uh, Merlin's Shop of Mystical Wonders. Oh my huh. god. Yeah. I've never seen that, but I love the name. It's uh, a uh, rather famous Mission Science Theater episode yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay! Yeah, it's fucking fantastic. <laughs> Gotta write that one down to look up. Oh yeah. It's probably on Tubi. <laughs> So, uh, so this flick is infamous for being one of the the video nasties, right? The uh, so if you're not familiar with the video nasties ban and the and the uh, and the certification, the uh, the video certifications of 1984 and all that kind of shit that happened in the UK, where they would there was a huge censor um, on films, and they would take films and fucking butcher them and take all of the stuff out of them. We've talked about it before. Um, we're not going to drop that whole history lesson again, so if you want to look it up, go look it up. It's the Video Nasties, and you're, there's a whole documentary about it you can watch. That that was really great. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so this film releases in, ja- in Japan in 81, and then it comes out in 82 in the U.S. When it's released in the U.K., 
the film is completely uncut <laughs> because it's pre it's pre-cert on VHS uh, and it's released by Video Space, and then it immediately gets banned until about 1987, and that's in the UK. So, so when it was in Japan, no one gave a shit. No, I, I, no, because Japan's like, yeah, whatever. It's art. Oh, well, sure, right. They're just like, wait, is there any pubic hair in that? Okay, <laughs> you good? <laughs> right. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't think they have a history being like, oh my god, think of the children. Like, uh, well, right. No, I don't think More so. More recently, maybe yeah. a little bit, but definitely not back in the 80s. At least that I know of. No. Um, so when it's released in the U.S., it's it's also cut. About three minutes or so is cut from it, and it's released uh, as an R rating. Uh, and Warner uh, Home Video releases it in the U.S. Um, in 1987. I believe so. It, it has wow. a theatrical. It has a theatrical release in '82 in the U.S. I believe. Oh, okay. I, I'm trying to get this right because I got it from a couple different sources. So I'm trying to. I was trying to weed out what was correct or not. So if I fuck this up, I'm sorry. Uh, but it's. I'm trying to give you a, a, an accurate history on this. So um, in '87, it gets reclassified and re-released. But there's like three minutes of film removed for the for the U.S. VHS, the Warner Home Home Video release. Um, and they, and the big cuts were, you know, they took out like all the gore from the end sequence and all, um, instances of like the black mass, like how to do it and all that kind of stuff or like what was required for it. (laughs) So was the movie 13 minutes long? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Good point, Connor. Specifically where they show the computer and it says like all the ingredients to like for the black mass. That part was pretty awesome. You don't want the children imitating this thing. Uh, No, I, that's what they, I guess that's what they were afraid of. I'm going to grab a six year old and go, go find me some mandrake root. Okay. (laughs) Go have fun. An essence of whatever. Essence of newt testicle. Come back when you find it. (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, it, it's all at uh, Clint's fingertips, but we'll get to that. Um, so apparently there was a more brutal version than even the unrated, uncensored cut. Apparently there was a cut out there that was 103 minutes long. Right. So. Uh, so, again, like I said, it gets banned in the UK and it gets and it's heavily cut and then it gets cut for US release. I'm trying to think. I think the one I watched today is over 100 minutes i think it's the one it was 103 i i just thought you were gonna go on i didn't know you were looking for confirmation that's why i didn't say anything it was 103 i had to think about it i was like wait a minute an hour 44 okay so here's the thing um we're gonna get to where you guys watched it but i'm gonna tell you because i own this film i own three different versions of this film so i have the the tape uh not i have the the u.s release so it's the r-rated version but the two but um in 2004 uh anchor bay releases it on DVD in the U.S., and it's the first time it's released in the U.S. in this uncensored, uncut format. But it's still 92 minutes long, which is the R-rated cut, which is strange. Huh. So, so the thing with that is the reason. I, I think the reason that it's that long, that that it's 92 minutes, is because they cut out other, like they re-edited it, like they put in all the uncensored bits, but like took out other shit that didn't need to be there, or that they sure felt dragged it down. I don't know that weird decision, but okay. Yeah. So then they re-edit it again back to its original state and then release it again uh, at the same year, I believe. Now it just sounds like a money grab, but continue. Yeah. And then Scream Factory gets the license for the film and then releases their Blu-ray. And that cut is 97 minutes long. Um, but apparently that's the that's the definitive uncut, uncensored uh, 
version that was even approved by um, the director. So I guess that's the full complete piece. But yeah, like I said, if this if the pre-cert UK VHS is completely uncut, is that 103 minutes? I don't own that version, so I don't know. Um, but like I said, you guys, this your guys cut ran 103 minutes. Yeah, hour and 44. Yep. Huh. And and uh, you know we don't have the DVD, we don't have the Blu-ray, and usually I don't like doing this, but hey. Uh, this movie's on YouTube in two different formats if you really want to watch it. Yeah. You don't want to spend like 60 bucks on the DVD because uh, at least on Amazon that I saw over like five minutes of searching, I guess. I think that's okay, though, since it's out of print now. Oh, okay, so that yeah. was going to be my next question, if it was out of print or not. So that kind of lines up. The DVD and the Blu-ray are both out of print. Why does that happen? Is that just like they sell out of what they have and just they don't have enough demand for it usually like what's the logic there probably the rights lapse i would assume oh maybe yeah i didn't even think of that and they're like yeah we had it for this long and now it's now it's out of our hands especially like with the robot jocks thing like that is that's a, what i was thinking of <laughs> that's a full moon prop or that's charles band property and i just don't see him like if they're not willing to pay for it the, it'll go right back to him i feel like that's the deal he would make sure but uh yeah it's on youtube so if you really want to watch this and you can't find it anywhere type it in and there's two versions there's the actual just regular i'm assuming theatrical cut uh in in fairly high quality but then if you just do look down a little bit more there's that longer version that i believe me and connor both watched yeah that is uh someone illegally uploaded about a month or two ago and it's the <laughs> blu-ray cut they say that right in the description so uh i don't know if this is going to be uh up there when you listen to this, I don't know how how far in the future you might be listening to this episode. It could be 2021. Yeah. But as of uh, the first week of September in the year 2020, uh, it's uh, it's for it's the... Up uh, <laughs> it's, up it's up there to watch, is what I'm trying to say. So now what I'm thinking is like, okay, is the cut, is that cut, the Blu-ray cut... You said you can you you saw a noticeable difference in the footage. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. So we were talking God. about this a little before we started recording. Yeah, and at times it's like, at times the audio and the video quality take such a fucking dive. Yes. Um, that you can't even make out what people are saying. Like, I think there's a shower scene where you're like, "What?" Um, and then like, the lighting will change, the color grading will change, and like, and there's a lot of it. Yeah, it's it's almost as if they had that old footage. And it was just, like, the original version of it, and they didn't do anything to it, and they just yeah. fucking dropped it in there. Because it's not color-graded or anything, like Connor's saying. I, I guess the thing with that is, like, maybe somebody took that Blu-ray cut and then reinserted all the other bullshit. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Are, are all the scenes that look like that just, like, dialogue sequences, or is it gore sequences? There is There is an elongated scene towards the end, this, like, bikini fucking contest or whatever it's supposed oh, to be yeah. Yeah. that goes on for like two solid minutes and i was like i think this is inserted because this is fucking boring um well we'll get to it we'll talk about it as we go through it sure sure but i'm saying that instance in particular it definitely was like looked like it was inserted after the fact totally so i specifically watched my shout factory blu-ray Sure. So that's the cut I watched. And on the box, it says 97 minutes. I didn't look at the fucking time code, so I don't know. Yeah. So that's what it says. <laughs> that's how long it is. 
<laughs> I know all the gore is there for sure. We'll talk about it as the movie goes on. Maybe maybe uh, somebody did some screwy shit on YouTube again. It's not like this is uh, condoned by YouTube. Right. But, uh, you know you know how it is on that fucking uh, website sometimes. I love that we, we potentially watched a fan edit. <laughs> hey, fuck it, right? Yeah, well, no, that's what I'm thinking. Like, like if somebody took all the footage from the TV cut of Halloween 2 and then put it all back in, you know what right. I mean? Like some shit like that? No, yeah. And you watch that and you didn't know the difference and then you're talking to someone who's never seen that version. Yeah, I could see that being confusing. What do you mean he makes friends with the monkey? <laughs> yeah, Cybo Man, don't you know? Cybo Man and Myers going on a fucking road trip? It'd be a really awkward road trip. Oh, maybe. Um, there's also one last bit of, uh, or uh, actually... There's a couple bits of trivia. I'm going to let Connor do one, or the, the big one. <laughs> but uh, Ah, yeah. The only one I read. <laughs> apparently, the church they shot in was, like, condemned. And they, like, superficially renovated it for the shoot. And it confused the shit out of a priest who was who used to work there. So he came in one day and, and broke the fuck down because he thought, like, God had fixed it. And he was, like, praying. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was some kind of miracle. Oh, my God. So dig this. So they shoot all of this stuff, and the church fucking burns down three days after they wrap filming. Oh. Oh, my God. This priest must have lost his mind. Uh, Right? So, and and plus, like, what the film is about and stuff? Like, do you think he, like, blamed them? I don't know. We got to burn down this monstrosity, (laughs) this fucking blight against God. I'm not sure if that's, like, cursed films TM, like, worthy, but it's interesting, nonetheless. Sure. Um, and the one I read is that, uh, uh, Clint Howard had to pay for his own dupay as ordered by the producers of this movie. <laughs> Why? <laughs> what? It's a bad toupee, by the way. Ugh, it's bad. And apparently he, uh, he, like, revealed it in some kind of, in some interview that he had done a couple years ago. <laughs> the actual hairpiece? <laughs> that he said he had to pay for it himself. Oh, okay. I think mean, he still had the hairpiece. I'm like, Wow. <laughs> Yeah, what do you think this is on my head? This isn't my natural hair. I've been bald for years. Same hair from Evil Speak. And this poor guy, this poor guy, I mean, how old do you think he is here? 20-something? God damn. Yeah, right. He's got to be. He looks pretty young. Yeah. I mean, you got to think, wasn't he on the Andy Griffin show? He was on Andy Griffith. He was in the, the original Star Trek series, even. So when were those? In the 50s? Late six or early no, 60s? 60, no, it was 60s. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that about lines up. 81. That about lines up, right? Early, early mid-20s. But he's clearly bald by then, you know? Yeah. I kind of... It's the one thing I gotta say about Clint Howard. Say what you will about everything else about him <laughs> in an offset, but uh, the poor bastard did uh, get kind of fucked in the hair department. Yeah. And, and you know, the mouth department, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to pick on him too much, because... Uh, he, got, he got all the bad genes. Yeah, Ron Howard just sucked that right out of his parents. He's one of the... He, he, he is one of the most memorable character actors, I feel like, though. Like of all time. Oh yeah, yeah. He's made it work. What if what if he's like a living version of the Dorian Gray painting for Ron Howard? Like all of Ron Howard's <laughs> aging gets sucked into Clint Howard. I I mean Ron Howard looks old now, but when he was younger, for sure I could buy it. Except the hair, right? Because they both went bald. Yeah. <laughs> magic can't fix our genetics, damn. Yeah, yeah, magic can't fix male pattern baldness <laughs> Ron ran away from it for many years but it caught up to him too he just wears that hat and good on him if he wants <laughs> yeah. to I mean whatever fuck it right fuck it I mean at some point you have to be like whatever you know what I mean sure uh, this this movie is about Clint Howard 
uh, in a, I guess it's like a military academy that's like very focused on religion. I'm, I'm still not sure how that works, but I guess we're going to go into it. Um, and uh, he gets picked on a lot. And he uh, stumbles up, uh, across uh, Richard Mole's Satanic Bible and uh, just says, ah, fuck it, I'm just going to invoke Satan to get back at the bullies. And uh, there's some other shit in between that push him to his limits. But uh, by the end of this film, he is uh, in a pact with Satan himself. Yeah, in league with Satan, TM. Yeah, absolutely, uh, taking uh, revenge on those who wronged him. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to talk about his journey. It's a good one. This is this. I love this film so much. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, so the music here is by uh, Roger Kellaway, um, and I'm loving it. It's like it's just it's it's like the ass end of the seventies. Here, okay. Here's the thing. It it tears too hard on like the the parody version of like the omen theme sometimes but <laughs> yeah, it comes across as really amusing it is i listen joe i'm not trying to immediately steal your thunder on it because i do agree uh 70 percent of the time i'm super into the music and then every once in a while like it's a 1950s abbott and costello fucking <laughs> like uh movie do 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 like we're getting like these like weird ass sound effects like we're oh, at yeah. the circus. It's very yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it's very like it's very 70s in terms of like the xylophones and shit that are going off at times. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh yeah. Yep. That stuff I'm not digging, but the the rest of it I was into. I'm just saying to that 30% of the music, I'm like, I leave it. I I could do without it. It's like that spooky 70s score. Right, right. But uh Roger Kellaway did like The Dark and Mafu Cage, Jaws of Satan, and he even did the 75 version of uh, A Star Is Born. What was that like the fourth remake at that time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only only four or five more to go, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. This film opens up with uh Richard Mole himself. As Lorenzo Esteban. Yes, Gunner the White. <laughs> As we've stated in Ghost Shark, it's not Richard Mole. You know, Richard Mole, a great actor in his own right, but uh, if he's doing some satanic magic, I'm going to just have to say Gunner's involved in some capacity. Or he was split, you think, again? We have that thing happening. I, I mean, you know that kind of thing every once in a while in fantasy where, you know, there is a there is a person in control, but they have, like, that second voice in their head that's really yeah. just, like, some... They have a second soul in their body. Well, you know, Gunner is that second soul in Esteban's body. <laughs> he has he has that Adam Warlock thing where he ends up, like, yeah. splitting in half. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, he's also... This is two years before... I think this is, like, one of Richard Mole's first films, question mark? He looks very young in this, so I, I could buy it. When was House? Well, this is before he gets his break. So this is two years before he Night Court. Okay, right, yeah. Yeah. So I I don't don't quote me on that, but I think it's one of his first roles. If not the first role. It seems like it. I mean he's not in it a ton, but he makes uh he makes use of his time wisely. <laughs> when he does show up, it's great. But yeah, so Esteban's fucking kicking it on the beach and um Reverend whatever, uh I guess they're in Spain. Right, it's during yeah. the, the Spanish Inquisition, and he's basically cast out from his peers, and they're like, "Yeah, you, you, you fucking worship Satan." He's like, "We're not putting up with this shit." And he's like, "Take a fucking walk, jackass!" And if we cross paths again, I'll fucking kill you. Mind your business. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm just gonna like walk like ten feet down this way. Is that okay? Yeah, you're not gonna <laughs> stop me. All right. He literally just like walks down the beach. Like no, they don't chase him or anything. He immediately has followers again. Well, they give him a break, right? 
But then, like, he's just like, yeah, fuck you. And he, like, walks to his secret, <laughs> well, not even secret. He's, again, like, it's like 10, 20 feet away, and all his followers are there, and they're fucking chanting and shit. Right, right. I like how he walks off with a sword in his hand, like, you're not going to do anything with that, are you? He's like, yeah. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> With his book of secrets in his in his arm. Oh my god. I, I I think part of it is the editing. They're trying to like get you through this opening bit quickly. It just it, it's a little jarring when the guys like get the fuck out of here. You're you're a Satan worshiper, and they they do nothing about the people worshiping him as he walks by. No, even though like they would totally butcher them all. Just, yeah, they would put them all on stakes right on the beach right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially during the Inquisition. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You knock out that satanic shenanigans. He's like, no. And they go, fine. (laughs) Okay. Drug. (laughs) Have it your way. (laughs) And he he walks to like a ritual that's like set up like on a small hill, like some Skyrim ass shit. And uh, he's like immediately doing a ritual and some chick like walks up and is like, yes, I'll be a sacrifice. I guess. I will sell my soul to become a wax dummy for a few seconds. He's so handsome. I'll do whatever he wants. And then she sits down and takes her clothes off. Oh, okay. That is one thing I will say about this film. There's a lot of, like, just nudity just for the sake of nudity. And we get, like, both genders in in full frontal and and ass, Uh, (laughs) you know... The, the movie, you know, spreads the love, I guess. Yeah. It is equal, but gratuitous all over the place. Yeah. Sure. It's not all over the place, but when it comes, it's like, okay, here we go. We, should, we sure are doing this, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't ruin the movie, but anytime this kind of stuff comes up, I just feel like we got to at least point it out, because it was, it took me off guard. I don't think this is for, like, th- there's another part that's definitely played up for like oh he's he's this sexy lady but here it's just like okay well this is like a ritualistic killing or whatever right take take your shirt off i'll raise my sword and then i will uh, cut your fucking head off dude this is one of my favorite transitions of the film because fucking richard mole brings that fucking broadsword around in 360 and fucking cuts this woman's head off and it flies into the air he hits a home run in this woman's head okay he, he home run it off, sure does. like and this dummy like he cleaves it off the fucking hard way so you just see him rip <laughs> right off he turns his head into a goddamn soccer ball yeah it's so good that transition turns right into a soccer ball yeah i love that and then uh we get introduced to um clint howard stanley uh cooper smith cooper dick cooper dick oh this poor bastard what a fucking last name (laughs) this was my first time watching the movie but i kind of knew a couple story beats going into it i kind of knew okay i've seen the cover uh, of the movie, you know, the poster, and I know he gets picked on, and yeah. I know, like, what sets him off, but I don't know anything else. So, going into this, I'm like, okay, so he's on the soccer team. What's the big fucking deal? And within a minute, the movie tells me why that's a problem. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, this guy gets picked on. All right. Picked on? Um, uh, tortured, really. Tortured. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is this is this is a grueling movie in terms of uh, in terms of horrible things happening to somebody. Yeah, because so- it starts off with like that he's just a klutz because he trips and fucks up like a play. But then it, like, immediately goes into, ah, oh, that asshole, he ruined the game for us. Oh, let's kick him while he's down. Let's push him on the ground into the dirt. It's like, ugh. Well, yeah, because they lose the game against the other school, and that's, like, a big deal to these assholes. Right. Well, you know, but unfortunately, there's that rule where they have to put Clint Howard in for two uh, two two periods or quarters or whatever the fuck it is. I, again, I, I know nothing about soccer. I'm sorry. Me neither. 
Football, you mean? <laughs> football. <laughs> football. Um, we also meet uh, one of his tormentors, uh, Bubba, who's also on the field. And uh, I have to say it now, Bubba is at least 45. Um, Do you know who Bubba is? Does anybody know who Bubba no, is? No, I don't. Who he actually is or who you're going to refer to him as? Who I'm going to reveal him <laughs> as. So Bubba Caldwell is played by Don Stark, and he is Donna's dad from that 70s show. What? <laughs> I'm picturing it now. I'm adding a lot of weight in some years. He he he's the next door neighbor. Wow. Yeah. He, uh, yep. he played that role a lot better than this one. <laughs> he looks like Christian Bale. Yes. Kind of. In a few scenes specifically, certain angles. Yeah. He's really Baleish. He looks like Bale if he was like I don't know like melting. I guess. Kind of. Yeah. Like he stuck fucking ping pong balls up his nose. Yeah. <laughs> and he's constantly exposed to a heat source. He's all sweaty all the fucking time. <laughs> Yeah, right. Well, well, yeah, that's what happened. He he gets, he gets, you know, the dragons come and all that stuff. You know how that goes. It's hot. I just sweat all the time now. <laughs> I was melted by a dragon. I'm sure we get names for these other bullies, but like the, the basically the entire bully crew, if you want to call them that, are on this soccer team and are all best friends. There's Bubba's the main one, but then there's like this Alex Jones looking motherfucker. <laughs> And there's some other guy who's, like, his main gimmick is that he, like, makes dog uh, barking sounds. Yeah. And, like, another guy who, like, I'm not really sure what his game is because, like, he's constantly telling them to stop doing bad shit, but then immediately gets talked down. Yeah, I think that's, like, JoJo Boy or some shit. He's like, guy, you shouldn't do that. What's the big deal? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you should just do it. I totally missed all of their names, and I just didn't feel like looking them up. Yeah, no, Alex Jones guy was the only one that I was like, should I look this guy's name up? He's pretty fucking annoying. <laughs> And I was like, nope, Alex Jones guy. <laughs> All I know is that it's a group of grown-ass men uh, tormenting yeah, him. Well, right. <laughs> so younger than them. <laughs> Question mark, because if you took his toupee off, you'd probably look 12 years older. <laughs> he looks older than them? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> his fucking hair blows back. Wait a minute. Yeah. So he's, you know, he gets pushed on the ground. And essentially, he cost the team the match, and uh, even the coach is like, oh, this fucking guy. Yeah, the coach is a real fucking... Everybody in this... This is like this is like the munchie thing, right? Where everybody fucking gangs up on this kid. Oh, yeah. I was getting... I was, like, constantly going to carry for this well, film. Yeah, not we'll a, get to... Not a one-to-one, but there's aspects of this film for sure. For sure. I mean... We'll get into it later. It's the Jaws the thing, but we'll talk about that again. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, listen, when I compare it to Carrie, maybe this is just like kind of a generic comparison. Oh, that's what I'm getting at. At least for the first part of the film, is that he's just getting picked on to the point where shit goes down because of that. I guess is my point. Sure. And like, and from the adults, it's like nearly sociopathic because like the coach grabs Bubba. He's like, no, you know, we can't have to let him play because of blah, blah, blah. But if something were to happen to him off the field, he might not be able to play. <laughs> There's a lot of that. And these are supposed to be like military, like leaders, essentially, that are running this fucking school, if I understand this correctly. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me tell you something. This is a hideout for child predators, okay? Every fucking adult in this movie is terrifying. Oh, it sure is. Even the Reverend. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, it's not like Child's Play 3 where they're, like, at, like, boot camp, essentially. That's what it's supposed to be like, though. That's what it's supposed to be, a military school like that. But what's the more realistic, you know, uh, performance of that? I don't I don't know, I guess. I'm going to say Child's Play 3. I mean, we got to ask Smith. Sure, yeah, I'm going to have to pull his ear on that a little bit. I was thinking that while watching this. But I'm going to I'm gonna say Child's Play 3 for sure. <laughs> sure. 
because uh, this just seemed like school run by like some military people when it felt convenient to the plot. Well, down the fuck down the fucking corner, dude, right around in the other building. Andy Barkley's there. <laughs> Chucky's chasing around fucking Tyler. Yep. Sure. Charles Lee Ray's running around trying to play hide the soul. <laughs> Come here, Koopa Dick. I'm gonna hide my soul in you. Oh wait, that Sarge does that. Yeah. Oh God, Sarge would be such a mark for Chucky. He'd be taken out in about five oh, yeah. seconds flat. He deserves it, frankly. Sarge and another character are like the only ones who don't look like the same guy who's been cloned too many times. Because <laughs> like, the, like the the uh, the Reverend, like another teacher, and then like I guess the like the dean and one other guy all look the same. Yeah. Like plus or minus wrinkles. Same gene pool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe. <laughs> They're, you know, they're part of GVD's experiments, you know. <laughs> she was making those uh, rookies, those tubies, but she had a second experiment, military generals, and, you know, it didn't pan out as well, so she just kind of relegated them to this school. Oh, 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 I abandoned that school where all the men look like buzzards. <laughs> Have you ever seen this is Solo? Yeah, this is the same school. I, I inserted something with a church. Uh, I didn't really think it through. <laughs> it was their problem to decide. <laughs> Uh, Esteban, no, Granny Van Dam. What do you mean it's still running? <laughs> it's in full effect. What do you mean Esteban's back? Huh? By the way, this doesn't come up for a little bit, but I just want to talk about it now. They know that Esteban was accused as a Satan worshiper, but they're just kind of like sweeping that under the rug like, well, yeah, he was accused, but he built this church and... uh Anyway, uh, we don't talk about that. <laughs> well, okay, so we, we get introduced to the Reverend and... Uh, right, Res- Reverend, uh, what's his name? Jameson. Jameson, correct. And he's, like, talking to this uh, potential investor that's... that She's, like, sent on official business from, like, the governor or some shit. Right. There's a painting of Esteban in the church. <laughs> yes. And he's explaining this to her, and he's like, Yeah, that's Esteban. He was part of the church and then did all this shit during the Inquisition. Ah, and then they killed him, and then he was like, Hey, before I die, I just want to let you know I'm gonna come back for my revenge. And then they had a sigil in the same fucking spot that this place was built on. Anyway. I've never seen this before. Where where can I find this information uh, in a different movie? Something like Ghostbusters? <laughs> <laughs> Rawhead Rex? Is he Vigo's brother? <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, can I can I find the evidence related to this in the basement next to yeah. the Rawhead Rex uh, <laughs> shard? <laughs> yeah, his catacombs are literally beneath us. It's not even. There's like no but. There's no uh, if ands or buts about it. He's just like he's just like well the you know like Rawhead had an excuse where there's like yeah well the church was ripped down and rebuilt and I don't know pieces of glass or whatever we forgot about it. But this is like preserved history where he's like yep and that's Esteban. Uh, he worshipped the devil and. And um, we know all about him. <laughs> We're okay with it. Yeah. Well, and the thing with Rawhead is like, who gives a shit? There's a hide under there, and they just like stick it in a box that's in the middle of the fucking room. Yeah. So we look for it. And like, in this, they're like, oh yeah, real bad dude. But uh, there's like pictures of him everywhere, and like <laughs> all of his stuff is in the basement. We didn't forget about him. Here's the big difference there with Rawhead. You could at least have them say, like, oh, Rawhead Rex? You mean, like, this demon fucking story that's, like, bullshit made up from, like, a hundred years ago? Like, okay. It's like a legend, yeah. But this, like, say what you will about what happens in this movie, but, like, they knew this guy worshipped Satan and they built the church anyway. And they're, like, okay with it. Like, that doesn't, that's not the same thing. It's fully documented. This very real, very bad person. <laughs> yeah. He's buried under the motherfucker, for Christ's right. sake. We're going to get to that later, because that scene I have questions about. 
But but yeah, uh, we we also meet in that scene where right before where that picture is explained in the church's history, uh, Kincaid, this this dean or what have you, general type character, the colonel, uh, who is just a uh, an annoying son of a bitch. Let's put it that way. It's an asshole too. They're all fucking assholes. So he's he's think he's doing these fucking good this great deed because he's talking to again this this uh, representative from the governor's office and he's like he's like yeah we even take in fucking orphans and shit. Look at like Cooper Smith this piece of shit. <laughs> Well, yeah, he's all upset, like, yeah, you know, we used to just get the best of the best, and now we got to take in everybody, because, you, know, uh, you know, we need the money. We're doing a good thing. So, basically, this is where you find out that, like, so she gets in a car and fucking leaves. She's like, I, the governor's going to be so happy that we have a military installation that's also tax-free. Well, and you also find out that that's Bubba's mother. Because he comes out and she's like, say goodbye to your mother. Give me a kiss. He's like, oh, mom. Is it really? I miss that shit. Oh, yeah. So he has extra asshole points, huh? Yeah, I miss that one. <laughs> yep. And then when they get in the car, like the fucking two, uh, you know, the the Reverend and the and Kincaid kind of look at each other like, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're in the money. Come yeah. on, honey. <laughs> so the government, the governor's just going to give like this place fucking however much, you know, millions of dollars. Right. Because there's a church on the property. See, I'm convinced that like the Rev isn't even really a Reverend. He's just there. Like it's all a ploy, right? Oh, yeah, he's just, like, some sergeant or some shit that yeah. just gave, like, that little... Like, here, wear this white thing around your collar. It'll work. There you go. There you, father, there you are. Okay. You've read the Bible once, right? Uh, yeah, like 20 years ago. <laughs> I kind of skimmed it. Ah, perfect. Yeah, the whole thing, front to back. I went to Sunday school. Jeebus. Um, so, Cooper Smith is, like, punished for whatever reason, for being bad at soccer. He's punished for being bad at soccer. Yeah. And uh, the reverend's just like, yeah, well, you're being punished. Now you get get down here and clean this fucking basement. And uh, we're introduced to Sarge. Yeah, who was just, like, hanging out with his buddy, like, Crenshaw or some shit, just, like, drunk in a bed, like, hey, yeah, isn't it great down here in this filth? He fucking lives down in this basement and gets drunk all day, and he's, like, the maintenance janitor guy. Uh, played by R.G. Armstrong, by the way. Yeah. Uh, the general in Predator? That's who that yeah, is. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> and Pruneface and Dick Tracy. Wow. Yeah, he's in a lot of shit if you look up his uh, Wikipedia or IMDb. Yeah. Ton of westerns. Most notably, though, for me, was Predator and Dick Tracy. Sarge, uh, Sarge Simi lives in a world of darkness and uh, booze. <laughs> oh, it's an alcoholic haze for sure. I mean, they keep this guy around because they feel bad. <laughs> Question mark. He's like a rapist at one point. We'll get to it. Yeah. Well, you know, that doesn't mean the people in charge can, uh, you know, differentiate the two. He's like their fucking guard. You know, they send kids down there on purpose, right? Like, you're going to clean this. We know what's going to happen to you. We know what the Sarge is capable of. Bye. We put him down there for a reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They keep sending kids down there and they're like, damn, this place is still dirty. <laughs> yeah. Right, Sarge? Wink, wink. Yep. Ah, yeah, yeah, you're right. As he's filleting their bodies. Yeah, and eating them. Well, they don't give me enough money for food, so the cat food was starting to get a little stale and, uh... Eh, fresh meat, fuck it, right? He's like he's like a drunken war vet Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I've seen some horrible things as he slices off the meat. There is a fucking boiler room down there that looks like it was ripped right out of Elm Street, so... Sure is. That's what I'm saying. He's got that fucking finger knife glove? Sure does. <laughs> Clint Howard, like, picks it up. He's like, what's this? And just throws it in the trash. <laughs> Don't worry about that, you fuck. Where's my crowbar? That's a different movie. Oh, God, the crowbar. Okay, so Clint <laughs> Howard, he finds, like, this hole in the wall. I love this, by the way, because, like, I always want this to happen to me, where I find this secret passage in, like, a dilapidated place. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, maybe not in this creepy-ass, like, mausoleum-slash-basement, but sure, why not? You're you're down there because you're, quote-unquote, in trouble for slipping and sliding in the soccer game. Especially in a place like that, I want to find this. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fi- finding, finding this ancient tomb behind a bookcase, essentially. Yeah, I love it. But, like, I guess Sarge kind of knew about it. No. I think, is that the implication? Because he, like, later on, when he when he finds out that Clint Howard's in there, he's like, Why are you back here? Get- Get out of my summer home. <laughs> I thought I lost this place. <laughs> no one's supposed to know about this but me. <laughs> this is my fucking, this is my spank room. What are you doing in here? Oh, God. Uh, but yeah, Clint Howard, he steals the uh, crowbar while uh, Sarge is not looking mm-hmm. and breaks in there. And there's like a tunnel, like like a <laughs> beyond tunnel or some shit, like something out of an Argento film, essentially. He fucking goes, down, Joe the Plumber's down there. <laughs> They, they, they turn, you know, Clint Howard does a double take and he's inside a painting. Yep, he fucking, he walks past the meteorite in fucking Mario Brothers. <laughs> yeah, it's a hellscape. <laughs> uh, he, uh, uh, Rodney Dangerfield does triple, triple Lindy's past him. Bounces past him. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> Hey, what out of my get out of my way, kid? Uh, Willy Wonka's there. He's just like you know the lights are going and everything. You know it's weird. It's a situ- it's a situation. Is this tunnel the fucking Speed Force? Like all time and space is happening at the same time <laughs> in this one fucking craggy tunnel under this church? It, you know it's that tunnel from the third season of Castlevania that that guy goes in and it's like all this shit hitting him at once. Mm, the fucking worm comes through the wall from Freaked with everybody and they're trying to get to Scuggs' fucking uh, lab. Yeah, exactly. John Crichton goes through a wormhole in season three. Stooges on his TV monitor. Yeah, it all adds up. There you go. Yep. He goes through this door with his giant pig head on it. Yes. And it's essentially what I like to call Esteban, the Esteban room. <laughs> right. Not Sarge's summer hangout. No. It is. So it's, it's like nothing. Like they, like I love how, again, so these priests during the Inquisition just, first of all, just let this guy go. They were like, yep, all right, well, uh, Satan or whatever, witchcraft or whatever. See ya, get on a boat to America, I guess. Even the whole point of the Inquisition was that we were killing motherfuckers that didn't have any faith. Well, you know, this guy, he had faith. It was just not their faith. So they're like, we could kill you, but because you at least had faith, we won't. (laughs) I question mark. But, like, they leave all his shit there? Ah, right, (laughs) right. Take your servants, take your stuff, and get out of here. And get (laughs) get in that fucking pig head room right now. So, uh, Cooper Smith, like, stumbles across all this shit, and he has, like, there's this, again, like, my favorite things are, like, this big giant tome and these old fucking books of, like, demonology and and, and how to fucking summon demons and shit. And he's just like, ah, jackpot. Yeah, that's right, jackpot. Ah, this stuff's priceless. Wow. What a score. (laughs) If I I touch one of these books, it could disintegrate. (laughs) Right? If I if I light one of these candles and they fell over, everything's going up in smoke. Yeah, let me light about fifty of them. <laughs> and the door's gonna get stuck, and you're gonna die of fucking smoke inhalation. <laughs> right? Yeah. But he finds this uh, book, which we did see in the opening scene. Uh, Richard Mall was walking around with. It's like basically a Bible with a pentagram uh, emblazoned on it. It looks like a Spencer's gift. <laughs> yeah, kinda. It. It does look like a goth girl's journal. It looks like the, uh, the they had a very low budget for this film, and they were like, ah, maybe the Bible's not where we should spend the money. I do like it a lot. I just feel like when they made that fucking sigil thing on it it's like this it's like this metal pendant with like these stones in it and i guess it's supposed to signify like certain uh aspects of like alchemy or whatever they're trying to do with this thing uh, 
I, I guess. I feel like, honestly, like, if I had any major complaint about this film is I feel like they just really lean on the pentagram symbiotic. Uh, sure. Symbology. Uh, without really going any deeper than that. I mean, obviously, they, they do a little bit. I'm not trying to undersell it, but uh, they, they really focus on that. Sure, but, like, even if it was just burned in, you know what I mean? Or, like, uh, oh, yeah, embossed yeah. on it rather than, like, this elaborate, like, fucking... Uh, a bedazzled cover. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Like, you could buy it at the store at Michael's. Right. Someone's craft project. Yes, that's what it looks like. Well, Richard Moles. <laughs> what are you making fun of my projects? I bedazzled it myself. Esteban, what are you doing over there again with my glue, my hot glue gun? <laughs> he was in the garage playing with the glue gun. I could make ornaments out of the old fish hooks. That's yeah, that's what he was doing. He gets caught doing it by his parents. They send him to his room. He just turns all the crosses in the house upside down. It's <laughs> like a, it's like a petty uh, rebuttal. Esteban, <laughs> Did you turn all those crosses upside down. No, mom, it was Satan. I'm telling you. <laughs> Get out of my room, Dad. Satan's like, why can't they see me? <laughs> I'm invisible? Question mark? They're not true believers yet, Satan. One day, <laughs> as he sharpens a knife, we'll make them all pay. Don't worry. So he gets like locked in for a second, and it's spooky, and then he gets out. Doesn't he have a? Does he have a the nightmare here? Because he finds the book, and then he backs into that wall, and like fucking zombie arm pops out at him. Um, and then I think he wakes up in his bed with the the book under his bed. Yes. Yeah. There's just like a fetus floating in a jar here too like on a shelf <laughs> oh my god the f- fucking year of the fetus that took me so off guard because like connor just said you're the fetus bleeders like literally forbidden bleeders yeah fucking rucker howard's coming out of the shadows he's like oh this is mine excuse me <laughs> one fully functioning maybe in a jar <laughs> penis and vagina uh fully functioning is the key word there because yes. after clint i guess again takes his time to light all these candles off screen uh shit starts to go crazy and this baby starts moving in the jar and he backs away from it and a arm comes out of a wall and starts like pinning him against it choking him yeah Th- this fetus by the way like pops out of the top of this like top of this jar like it pops out of it oh yeah it pokes it pops out to say hi it pops his head out but then this is the last time we ever see it yeah i'm not sure what small alien baby has to do with uh satan but uh right like was that for something else like i maybe because the scene's kind of weird and they just were like no we're not doing that anymore i don't know if this is like on the editing or they filmed this one way and it just was you know came out a different way but it's supposed to be like we we, ne- we never see Clint Howard leave the area, but also, like, I guess you don't need to, but they're trying to play up this whole idea that, whoa, he was there, some spooky shit happened, the, the ghost of fucking Esteban came at him, and then he woke up, what happened? But, like, they literally never go into it. Yeah, because, like, Richard Mole's, like, right behind him, and then he just, like, sh- he, like, wakes up in bed, he's like, holy shit, that was a crazy dream. Right, like, he like he imagined it or some shit, I guess, is the implication, but, like, they they never come back to that, so it just comes off as a little awkward to me. Yeah, the, the, the fetus never returns, so. Right, so was that actually in his dream? Like, did he... Did he see all that shit leave, and then he dreamt about it in the fetus and the candles being lit and the arm out of the wall? Was that the dream? I guess so. But all the other shit is there, which is strange. Anyway. Right. Well, what happened is that Rutger Hauer went back and collected those things when he wasn't around, so that's where they're gone. (laughs) (laughs) Got on his plane, drove drunk, and crash-landed at the bleeder's place, yeah. He He drank the juice that was in there, and that was the end of it. I never did that, but when I was flying, it was only after I couldn't fly. (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) Then I... Then I crashed. <laughs> Rucker! Rucker, you're blinking a hell of a lot while you're saying this. Shut up, you. 
And uh, so, so moral of the story, whether it was a dream or not, Clint Howard is late for class. Uh, I guess the bullies took his alarm clock and hit it on him. No, they unplugged it. Well, they did. Okay, so they unplug it, but his clothes are in like a pile in his locker. They fucking trashed his fucking locker, and they they unplugged his clock, so he was like late for class, and his all his shit, like you know, like the military thing, where like everything needs to be ironed and polished and stuff. Right. So he looks like dog shit. And. He goes to this class, and I'm not really honestly sure what class this was supposed to be. Neo-Nazi screams at you 101. Yeah. <laughs> this is the apt pupil class? Yeah. Hello? <laughs> Hello and welcome. Welcome to my class. <laughs> this is the classroom. Sit down. Because at first I thought he was, like, doing some kind of foreign language. But then he's talking about, well, you got to learn Latin, but also all these military tactics by next yeah. week. In Latin. Also, models. <laughs> Is this just like liberal arts, the class, like, but in military academy? We're going to discuss this, the Winter Stepfather program. <laughs> what? <laughs> M- Mr. Coward, why are you late? You better have an excuse. And he just, like, sits there. He's like, ah, so uh, were aliens involved? Any extraterrestrial life forms? No. <laughs> no, if you did see them, call this number. Yeah. Yes, here's a here's a card. Call here's, me, please. Here's, here's my card. They say if you see anything extraterrestrial or munchy, uh, call this number immediately. <laughs> did did Zikita have a box? Oh no. Okay. There's just a, a little uh, note at the bottom of the card that just says WinterStepfatherProgram.com or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to talk about mind control. <laughs> I mean algebra. Take out your textbooks. Get out your little red books by uh, Howard, uh, How to Howard, the Winter Step Brother program. Not that you will all be part of it, but you must be trained on it. We are trying to build an army here. Remember the NDA had you sign so you could not tell your parents or the government about it? Yes, uh, I've gotten that back from everyone but you, Mr. Howard, uh, because your parents are dead. I'm going to remind everyone that your parents are dead again. I know you're really having you know a hard time coping with that, but your parents are dead. They did not sign the permission slip you cannot actually be here right now yeah that's the big thing like he's he's an orphan because his parents like literally just died like a year ago or like a few months ago and everybody dogs him for it like they don't let up at all they're just like yep your parents are dead you're a fucking orphan fuck you you're a dick (laughs) yeah cooper dick meanwhile bubba's reading a fucking porno mag in the middle of class with like a somebody fingering their ass on the page guy's got a paper airplane with someone sleeping and i guess the gag is that the teacher just yells at clint howard yeah i think so yeah because bubba's straight up he's got like a hustler out you can see like a full ass cheek on the page yeah somebody's feeling up their own fucking crack there man yeah yeah getting it on with you know a little finger up the butt in class, why not? Fuck it, no one's paying attention. Estebutt, there you go. <laughs> Richard Moles there in ghost form. <laughs> He's laughing. Just uh, getting a little action. I need a consecrated butt plug. I saw my wife by my lighthouse do this once, so I, you know, I thought I'd give it a try. Like diff- different uh, experience altogether in this body. You ever bring a shark back to life? Well, okay, we're going to do the same thing, but for me this time. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, check out our ghost shark episode from, uh, <laughs> yes. I think, season one. Satan, can you bring a ghost back to life? No. <laughs> All right, I'll find a different way to do it. <laughs> Whatever. But at the end of class, uh, after this gag about how, you know... Uh, Cooper Smith is the only one that gets made fun of her. The the teacher's like, ah, yeah, uh, you got to go to Kincaid's office at the end of the day because you were late twice this week and uh, (laughs) get your shit together. Good luck. And and Clint Howard's like, oh, man. It's so weird because, like, 
this guy wants to help him out, but he's still a dick to him. Everybody is like that in this movie to him. Yeah, there is one human being in this movie who is at all decent to him. And they're still kind of a dick to him. Yeah. <laughs> well, sort of. Kowalski is the only one that's actually, like, legitimately nice to him and could be a friend. But that uh, that guy working in the kitchen, uh, if that's who you're talking about, like... He yeah he tries to do a solid for uh, Clint Howard but is also kind of a dick about it. He's not going to take the fall for him, and we'll get there. Yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> so um, so he's like, oh, I gotta go to the, I gotta go use the computer for my computer class to, to do my catapult project. And he's like, I hope your catapult is very good, or you're going to fail. He's like, yeah, I'm doing it. We could use that technology in the Winter Step Brother program. You should be working on how to make mind control devices. You need to learn how to destabilize a nation. <laughs> the code words, I keep telling you. Man, woman, TV, camera, person. <laughs> Dead parents. <laughs> Esteban. Something like that. <laughs> Martha Wayne. Cooper Smith, where's your red book? I forgot it. You forgot it. <laughs> Well, you know, again, doesn't have the permission slip signed. This guy still doesn't get the whole dead parents angle, so he will never get his red book, unfortunately. How typical of you, Cooper Smith. <laughs> <laughs> fucking cracks a whip. I mean, you did say he is the Captain America, so maybe uh, this guy doesn't trust him entirely. <laughs> you wear that American flag shirt way too often. You're supposed to be wearing military uniform. Well, you know, I just think I look good in it. I don't, I don't know. This guy's going to turn into Red Skull, dude. There it goes. <laughs> Maybe. So, yeah, so Cooper Smith goes to the uh, library or wherever the fuck this place is, and they they have, like, computer lab class. And he's supposed to be working on his catapult for whatever class. The, apparently the last class, but it's apparently a different class. Um. So uh, then he has better technology than we do now because he fucking starts <laughs> typing in the journal entries of Esteban and the computer translates it like in 2.5 seconds. It's like all this Latin shit and it's like perfectly spaced and everything. Translates and then applies it seemingly. It's like, oh, I know what to do with this. <laughs> oh, I'm going to take this and we're going to... Okay, this is the first part of the resurrection is reading the... Oh, you're trying to summon the devil. All right, let me see. <laughs> okay, well, I, I got you, kiddo. Even though the internet hasn't been invented yet. Well, you know, they got that Encyclopedia Britannica you know just built uh, into that computer it's the soul highway baby we're gonna fucking pull the fucking demons out of the, the depths of hell and we're gonna go cyber well they don't have the internet yet but they have the grid it's fine they can just go well, out there. thank yes. god they don't have the internet because if job got his hands on this we'd really be in trouble oh yeah man word processor of the devil yeah i think so yeah if it you know if job got into the phone lines while this guy was uh, looking this shit up we'd uh, have an apocalyptic situation without a doubt so would job have to fight him like Dr. Angelo in that fucking cyber world? Like he fights Esteban? I, I I mean, I don't know because of the way that this film wraps if that is... I don't know if I would have to go that far. I mean, it really depends on the timeline. Does Esteban get his situation handled prior to Job getting his handled? You know, whoever gets their shit figured out first is the victor, I think, either way. They're going to cross each other at some point, I feel like. Whether, you know, whether it's in Lawnmower Man 3 or, you know, uh, <laughs> Evil Speak 2 or someplace in the MDU, I mean, I'm not sure. They meet up in the same, like, mainframe. Like, who are you? What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I am God. No, I am God. Bob from Reboots there, like, huh, look at this. I'm going to ring every phone. I am going to ring every phone. Don't you steal it from me. <laughs> Couple of viruses. What's his face? Megabyte or whatever? Yeah, yeah Megabyte. Yeah, Bob and Megabyte are sitting there like, 
having a digital uh, coffee, just bullshit and watching this conversation go down. Like, yeah, we 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 we, we used to fight like this. Remember back in the day. Before I got lost on the internet, and they just have like a Tekken fight. Couple of digital messiahs over here. <laughs> I don't, I, 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 don't seem to remember Megabyte ever reforming. By the way, but uh, it's been about ten or twelve years since I watched a reboot. Yeah, there was some other like evil chick too that had like uh, a geisha mask that would change faces or whatever. Yes, I think she ended up being the true villain in the uh, scheme of things. Gotcha. But, uh, again, it's over a decade since I've seen reboot. Probably longer. Yeah, I don't remember. So he starts he starts uh, translating the journal and it, it, it like in 1535 uh, or 15 yeah 1535 he does his rites of the black mass and basically uh, Esteban like hooks up with Satan and he's like yeah and then I fist bump Satan and then I was in like Flint and then it like jumps to like 1541 and then he's like all right well they're finally fucking on to me and as soon as I'm dead which I will be soon uh, I vow my revenge and I'll be back via computer in 1981 <laughs> right uh something something time is but a door something something <laughs> death is but a window didn't know that the window was gonna be a computer screen his is more of a window than vigo's is yeah uh, yeah yeah quite literally death is but windows os 95 dude <laughs> death is but a windows Fucking 98. 81. Okay, Windows 81. Windows 81, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What was Windows back then? I'd have to get on Wikipedia to find out. I think it runs just as good, just as good as Windows 10 does. Sure. If not, <laughs> if not better. <laughs> so then, you know, he collects his shit, and uh, he's got to go to his uh, detention with Kincaid. So, he, so uh, he leaves the computer lab, and, like, I guess he's late to... to, to um, his detention with with the colonel, like like Sean was saying, but he runs afoul of Bubba and the gang, and they like fuck with him, and they like steal his hat and like throw it out the fucking window. Oh my god! Yeah, and this is like the first time uh, Kowalski shows up to like stick up for him. He's like, "Hey man, what the f- like what the fuck? Why are you fucking with this guy again?" And then they threaten to throw him out a window, and yeah. he nearly succeed. Then they hang him out the window. Yeah, they only stop because Jameson walks up. And, and like Joe just was talking about, about Clint Howard's hat getting thrown out the window, this is the beginning of a thrill-line gag where people are constantly asking Clint Howard where his hat is. Yeah. Fuck this reverend, by the way. Fuck him in his stupid face. Yeah! Boys, you dangling that boy out of a window. No, it sure looks like it. Oh, no, we weren't. Oh, okay. Oh, I love you because you're on the sports team that I like, and you're all white. Oh, as you were. Where's your hat? Uh, sir, it's by the sprinkler. Do you have any advice on how I can retrieve it without getting wet? Well, uh, just wait for it to go around and then just kind of walk around it. Oh, shit. I never got that note. <laughs> Everybody fucking hates him. So any excuse to turn away the blind eye, they do. And, like, it's clearly their fault, right? And he's like, Cooper Smith, oh, yeah. where's your fucking hat? And he's like, I lost it, sir. And he's like, yeah, well, you're a fucking idiot. Now you're double punished. Get out of my face. Imagine if, like, behind, like, he's yelling at him about the hat in the background. The kids are just, like, very loudly dumping this dude out the window, and he doesn't even move. He's like, now he's talking about this hat situation. They might as well have, because they're making faces at this guy the entire time he talks to Clint Howard. Give him the finger and shit? Yeah. Yeah, this fucking Alex Jones guy's, like, giving him, like, raspberries. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he goes to get the hat, and, uh, you know, we don't see him actually get it, but when he gets to the principal slash Kincaid's or whatever the fuck this guy's official role is, colonel or... He's the colonel. He's the colonel. He's basically, like, the dean. Sure. 
He is, uh, Clint Howard is just soaked. Oh, yeah, he's covered in, well, I think he's just sweaty. <laughs> he sweats a lot in this film. I think it's a little bit of both. He's sweaty, he's covered by the sprinkler, he, he's a fucking mess from running all over the place all day. Oh, for sure, yeah. And uh, Kincaid's not having it, but the secretary, Miss uh, Friedmeier, she is, uh, I thought she was checking Clint out, and that threw me for a loop, but really, she just wanted his book. She just wants the shiny thing. Uh, she just wants a lot of things, like listening to people get abused. Uh, yeah! <laughs> this this character is perplexing to me, because I'm not exactly sure what she adds to the movie. She adds, she adds boobs and ass. Doesn't really interact with Cooper Smith the way other people do, and then she gets, like, an entire extra scene to flesh out her death scene. I'm like, what a weird character. Yeah, flesh out. Flesh out. Flesh being the key word. Literally flesh out. Yeah. She's like a masochist. She's rubbing off while fucking Cooper Smith's yeah. in the office getting fucking reprimanded. Yeah, reprimanded. He goes in the office and Kincaid's like, yeah, I'm very disappointed in you. Uh, assume the position. And he is literally like whipping this guy in the ass. Her fucking eyes bug out of her head. She's so happy. Oh, yeah. Well, she's rubbing her clit for sure. Oh, yeah, man. She's flicking that bean. Mm, tell him he's bad at soccer again. <laughs> Good. Spank that mother fuck again i hate him as she steals his book well to be fair it falls into the trash the thing falls in the trash and then cooper smith's like i took my lickings by and he leaves and she takes it out like after cooper smith leaves he like you know he realizes he doesn't have the book takes the rest of his books leaves uh and then she's like she's got like a nail file or some shit and she's trying to pry this like sigil off the book like the fucking craft the crafting the arts and crafts thing Right, okay, it's coming back to me now because he is doing, like, his secondary punishment where he has to go clean the hog fucking pen. Yeah. And there's, like, this, like, fucking guy, this ranch hand or some shit. It's one of the fucking Godwins. (laughs) (laughs) Screaming. Well, this guy, like, he's watching Clint Howard, like, about to go in the pig pen with the food, and he's like, hey, 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 you fucking moron. He's like, that's a good way to get killed. This is how you do it. And he just, like, lobs it in there. He's like, yeah, pigs will eat you up alive. He's like, yeah, you can't fuck with that. You ever, you ever kill a pig and eat its adrenal gland? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was having flashbacks to uh, Body Melt and Razorback this movie. Uh, why does this place have a pig pen? I don't know. These aren't even pigs. They're fucking boars, man. They got, like, they have tusks and shit. <laughs> they're gonna, they're going to get the church right off, but they already got the farm right off, so they're really just trying to stack the cards in a, in a particular direction. <laughs> First ever military academy church farm. <laughs> Self-sufficient. Hey. It's a fucking shell company, dude. They're fucking bleeding that governor dry. They were, It's really umbrella. Is that what you're trying to tell me? It's possible. I'm not saying anything. I mean, demonic demonic uh, <laughs> computers and, and hogs that uh, eat people. Yeah, yeah, it kind of makes sense to me. The evil within. If you're going to sit there and tell me that Las Plagas isn't, like, right next to fucking Esteban's sarcophagus, I don't know. I think you're lying to me. Yeah, maybe. Nah, I think it's the UAC from Doom. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Lines up. I think this is one of their uh, holder installations. But yeah, so Clint Howard, he's... He's working with these pigs, and he goes in there to clean up a little. And while she's, like, trying to rip this uh, sigil off, all of a sudden these pigs start freaking the fuck out and start trying to attack Clint Howard. 
almost as in a response to this amulet on the Bible getting fucked with. Yeah, they almost they almost get him too. <laughs> yeah, legitimately terrified me, scared the shit out of me for a second because like just the idea of like being trapped in a pig pen while there's pigs ferociously slamming through wood. I was like, that's fucking scary. And they're huge. And when we say pigs, like I, like I honestly like not the size of the titular Razorback, but big ass like boars, formidable things. No, these are the kinds of like. These are the kind of boars that are like out in the wild, like a like right. a razorback, not like the giant razorback, but like they're big enough to fuck you up something serious. Yeah. Oh yeah. These are the ones that killed Robert Baratheon. Yes. Uh, lest we ever forget. So then we cut to like they, we cut to Bubba and the motherfuckers like cutting like fucking up uh, Cooper Smith's uh, catapult that he's been working really hard on. I hate this so much. Oh my god! They literally take a saw out of this thing. I know. They're like, yeah, he's good. we're gonna fuck it up, so they're gonna expel him again or whatever. I mean, like, what? There's so much effort here. Pick it up and smash it. Like, what's? Well, right. <laughs> I th- th- they're so weird because they're like, we don't want to get caught, but we're also pretty brazen about our abuse on this kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So we're gonna slowly whittle away at it with tiny jailbreaking tools. It seems. But like, what? Like, what really was their end goal other than to fuck with him? Because when he goes to pick it up later, it falls apart immediately like it didn't even get to like the presentation and then collapse that's what they wanted he wanted they wanted that like that false thing where it's like oh great i'm almost done and then you pick it up and it just all falls to pieces it's sadistic what a, i wanted to like reach to the screen and just beat the shit out of these guys i know man you need Munchie to get in there. He needs Clint yeah. needs Munchie to help him out a little bit. He needed fucking Munchie in this movie. He uh, <laughs> turned to somebody else, unfortunately. I think he needs to hug a bunch because they'll take care of his enemies for him. Oh yeah, that's like that's like a bonus. Because I mean, we find out you know later, and you know Munchie strikes back. What his actual help leads to? Yeah, exactly. Uh, burning up, burning down, and blowing up a school. Munchie is in a box though in Esteban's chamber. I feel like he's he's there. Hey yo, hey 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 hey, yeah, but just pull that pin. Let me out. Hey. Clint. Clint, buddy, come over here. Esteban's like, do not let him out. Yeah, no, just get the consecrated host. Don't worry about the fucking imp in the box. Yes, it has a jacket. We don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't give it to him. The elder ones did. I don't even know where he got it. If we let you out, Munch, you're not going to do that stupid hello, my baby song when you come (laughs) out. You always do that when you come out without fail. I hate that song. Ah, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do it this time. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. <laughs> Every time you get that fucking pizza, it's gold because you gotta fly it through the air. <laughs> I got it from America. That's <laughs> where they invented it. But, oh my god, P.S. Are they in Spain? I don't know. When the fuck did Esteban make the... No, make the, well, that's what I'm saying, man. This is like some Rumpelstiltskin-ass shit. <laughs> I was gonna say it's like Rumpelstiltskin. He had to get on a boat and go to America. <laughs> at some point. Yeah, right? They had to have. He ma- he made that trek. You're not going to ha- I mean, listen, they have bases in Spain, like... Sure, but these kids aren't there. But they don't have this many, like, random-ass Americans, especially, like, no. you know, Clint Howard, who they're saying, like, they only took in because they needed the money. Right. In Spain. Like, this exactly. is in America somewhere. <laughs> oh, for sure. Also, like, both locations are weird because... On one end, you're saying you packed up all this satanic worshipping priest shit and shipped it over to a different church in America and just put it in the basement. Uh, I, well, I guess that, that's what they that's what they did to fucking Fenrir, dude. Yeah, or you're like, this right. place... <laughs> 
this site is where a, a an infamous Satan worshiper was. Let's build a church here. Well, and that's why I don't get why like, in the beginning, again, I think it was just for time, but like how he walks like down the beach and then all his worshipers are there. Like, show him go on a boat and then they're just like untouchable because they're on a different continent. Like, I don't know. I'm not trying to overthink this, but are you, are you telling me that they're insinuating that he the walk down the beach inferred that he went to America? That's that's what I I I, I think that's what they're trying to infer. <laughs> I am going to America. There I've gone to America. <laughs> there I've walked there <laughs> along the beach. Well, we were gonna insert an Indiana Jones a uh, style map, <laughs> the but map. Then the movie that movie came out and we didn't want to look like we ripped it off, so we just had to excise it from the movie. That's what this needs. You just insert it between those two that that crossfade. There you go. Yeah, literally like two frames. That's all I needed. No, it's like Civilization Five. You can just name things wherever you want. So America and Spain are right next to each other. <laughs> the United States of Spain. Yeah. That's- <laughs> He gets back from the fucking, uh, from the pig pen, and he, he just, like, lays in his bed with, like, the shit all over him. It gave me anxiety. I was like, please change. Yeah, I was like, why, don't do that, please. Uh, so he fucking picks up his catapult, and that shit fucking breaks, and then he realizes, like, as soon as his catapult breaks, he immediately goes to the, like, in his brain, he, like, goes to the book. He's like, where's that fucking book? I need to make this shit happen. That's some fucking school shooter shit to me. Oh, yeah, that's what it seems like. Um... Meanwhile, everybody gets, like, a free pass to go roller skating or some shit. Yeah. It's, like, a free night. Clint just knows, like, this is where, yeah, where, where do all these assholes congregate? At the roller rink. Yeah. <laughs> they can't, he can't find his book, and he freaks out. So he takes a shower and then goes down to the roller rink to confront Bubba. And he's like, he's like, where's my book, man? And Bubba's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like... He's like, yeah, well, you might not know where my book is, but you broke my catapult, so I'll get you later, buddy. And then he leaves. Yeah, he really told them. And, of course, they make fun of him like they like they have the entire film so far. Yeah. And then we go, go back to fucking creepy secretary. Creepy, weird sexual fantasy secretary sitting in the fucking thing, still trying to pry this goddamn thing off. And he comes in, he's like, he's like, hi, Miss, Miss Friedmeier, did you, did you see a book that was in here? She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, no, it's like this book. Did you see it? She's like, that's all, right? That's the, you dismissed. And he's like, ah, shit. What's a book? <laughs> What's a book? And he leaves. She never actually reads it, though, or tries to. No, she just wants the shit on the cover. <laughs> right. She just wants the, wants the shit to sell. It looks like something from fucking the East Meets West. Well, sure. I want to make a necklace out of this. Yeah, right? What is the goal here? I also think it's kind of hilarious how he comes in, asks about the book, she shoes him away, and then the second he leaves, she pulls it out of the drawer and starts fucking <laughs> with it again. She's like, <laughs> like, what if he came back and he's like, are, are you sure? Wait, that's my book. Yeah, right. He comes in. Oh, one more thing. Hey, wait a minute. It's like that damn doctor, uh, the, the, the doctor and body melt. The second that Cheryl leaves the room. All right, let me get my phone out and call Sean. <laughs> my secret phone. Hopefully she doesn't come back and ask a follow up. Yeah, right. He leaves and she pulls up like a jackhammer and starts hitting this fucking book with it. Like. <laughs> trying to get it all it's like fucking robin hood men in tights when he's trying to open up the fucking chastity belt <laughs> call a blacksmith yeah call a locksmith you sure you haven't seen my book she just throws a jackhammer i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> she's like hitting it with a fucking hammer then he runs into sarge as he's like heading back to the computer lab and sarge's like oh, yeah you have you seen my crowbar you didn't steal it did you oh no i didn't even though i definitely did what was that? No, 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 yeah, haven't seen it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, well, anyway, if I see it, I'll let you know. Bye. And he's like, son of a bitch. I got an appointment with Jason Todd later on. I need my crowbar. 
this guy might as well be muttering to himself, well, you know, when I get it back, I'm going to kill whoever returns it. So, well, uh, <laughs> see, that's the that's the, the catharsis of the, the crowbar. Once I get it, I beat you with it. I can't go on my killing spree without my crowbar. <laughs> and I need it returned. I'm so fucking unhinged that I don't even know why they let me live here still. But, uh, hey, I've been getting away with it for years. <laughs> I guess my brain is so wet, I don't know when it's day and night here. I've been eating human meat for so long, I don't know the taste anymore. <laughs> It's all the same. So he fucking goes into the computer lab, and instead of working on his catapult again, he's gone like he's gone full, full fledged uh, research into how he's going to communicate with Satan. Right. So every time he goes somewhere, it, now he's just working on this. He's not cleaning the basement. He's not working on his schoolwork. Um, he's translating more of the book in the computer and. One of the uh, instructors comes over. He's like, he's like, he's like, come on, Kobe Smith, get off the computer. It's got a scheduled for somebody else. And he's like, he's like, all right, I'll be there in a minute. The one term in particular that he's looking up, that that comes up a bunch here. How do I, how do I do the black mass to to to, to call up Satan? Where's the where's the Satan one hundred number? Well, he, and there's also a particular question he asked the computer. What are the keys to the kingdom of Satan's magic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tickled me every fucking time uh, but you're right like it's like one like wacky like you know oddball question you know from an outside viewer's standpoint yeah uh but it's all these satan questions just basically plugging this uh, computer full of information that he's collected from this bible so far and it's asking it, it's answering him right right it's, it's sentient almost yeah well yeah but it's just like <laughs> i don't know it's very strange because he leaves and this is the thing that, that's kind of weird to me is like this guy's like you know busting his ass to to leave because oh it's other students have time reserved too well he he leaves turns the computer off and then like nobody sits down at that computer but the computer <laughs> turns back on Ooh. or if somebody sat down and was like how were the gates to the black the kingdom Satan's magic. Keys of the mat. What the fuck, Cooper Smith? Sir, I have to report an incident. Uh, Cooper Smith was at this computer lab and he's looking up <laughs> satanic rituals. Uh, maybe he needs a little uh, talk with a counselor. Maybe he needs a vacation. What do you say? Yeah. Now they probably just expel him and blame him for all the problems going on at the school. Uh, so he managed to like he manages to like steal a computer and like puts it in the Esteban room. <laughs> And he uses it to communicate. Now he's like full fledged communicating with the other side. Right? right? He's like, he's like, how do I, how do, what do I need? Uh, stuff. And it's like, okay, here's the fucking, here's the list of the black mass stuff. You're gonna need wormswort and uh, mandrake root and uh, fucking the golden snitch. Thank God Esteban kept all this shit stored in these dusty ass cabinets that haven't been uh, touched in two or three hundred years. Thank God they're all still usable. He's got the fucking Sanderson sisters pantry, man. He's ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Also, it's really good of Estevan to, you know, be this kid's pen pal. <laughs> right? I need to be resurrected, and you, uh, you've been chosen. We're going to communicate through instant messaging. <laughs> yeah. Just keeps getting letters in the mail, like, you will receive this on this date at this time. You cannot respond to this message. Written in blood in the mirror is like, what's your screen name? Is this like the ultimate catfish? <laughs> right? I, I mean, I, mm, it could be. He's like, I want your help, Satan. Oh, I didn't know you were going to possess me. <laughs> He kind of knew. <laughs> he kinda, well, at that point, he didn't get... We'll get to it. Uh, but yeah, he lugs this computer in, and no one questions him or stops him. But he gets it set up, and he, like Joe said, he's starting to go hardcore in the research. He, well, he starts translating the big book, like the incantation book. Right, right, because he doesn't have the other one. He doesn't have the diary, so now he's like doing... He's like pulling it from the, the, the giant book that's on the, uh, the mantle, and... Um, 
now he's getting deep into like the ritual and how to communicate with Satan and get the power to like take revenge on people. Because he's like, all right, that's it. These fuckers pushed me too far. I need the help of Satan. Satan, hear my plea. And through the right of Black Mass, help me stand erect before my enemy and defy my cursed. <laughs> this is the kind of shit that's popping up on screen during this. I kind of love it, though. And he repeats a lot of it. Oh, he sure does. He has to say it out loud at some point. I kind of love it. I'm not going to lie. As weird as it is. I love it, too. Uh, this is definitely a movie. Uh, I th- We probably have brought this movie up previously. I feel like after doing Lawnmower Man, it would be impossible not to at least uh, mention it. Esteban has come up quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Uh it's an interesting uh, molding of these two genres of this horror and I guess sci-fi angle specifically because of the computer being involved in it all. Yeah, I'll get to my final thought, but I think this is one of the only films that like does it successfully in the horror genre. Sure. It's cool. Yeah, I'm really I'm really into it. On paper, I might be like this just sounds fucking stupid, but like in in the film I'm like, "Okay, yeah, sure. This is dope." <laughs> so um so he goes through the whole ritual, and then it's like, need need consecrated host, incomplete data. I love how it still runs like a computer program. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Mandrake root, incomplete data. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a blood sacrifice, incomplete data. You need the rest of it. Let's do it. That was an eye of gecko. We needed an eye of newt. Does not compute. But it functions like an old text adventure. Like, it only yes. responds to certain things. <laughs> yes. Yeah, if you don't type the exact right sentence, you're just going to get an incorrect uh, response back. Mm-hmm. I don't understand you. So, uh, the Reverend comes down looking for him, and he, like, literally jumps out of the fucking hole he was in and, like, falls on the ground, and he's like, Cooper Smith, Jesus Christ. He's like, where were you? He's like, I was down here, sir. You haven't cleaned anything, he says. <laughs> He's like, it's a big job, sir. He's like, I know it's a big job. I don't give a shit. Because he basically gave him, like, an impossible task, though. Sure, even if he was actually working on it. It's like yeah. constantly getting filled with more shit. And, like, Sarge, at one point during all this, is, like, throwing shit into the furnace, and it still looks like it's totally packed down there. It, yeah. It, it, like Again, I think he's burning bones, by the way. Just want to say that here. Oh, yeah. Uh, no one's questioning this guy. No. And it's, like, a serious, like... um. It's like a it, he's setting him up for failure, you know what I mean? Like, straight up. Oh, yeah, this guy is, like, probably the most two-faced character in the film, this reverend, because he puts on this... Uh, I hate him. This this nice uh, facade, but he's just, like, a dick to fucking Clint Howard. At least yeah. everybody else, like, to give him maybe a little credit here, like, they're just a dick to his face and, and behind his back. Because everybody likes soccer more than they like Clint Howard. Sure. Which is weird to me, but, I mean, it's not a weird concept by any stretch, but to me, it's just like, 1981, soccer, America, sure. <laughs> I mean, it, I just mean in sports in general, whether it be baseball or football or some shit, like, these assholes stick together. Oh, yeah. Um, And if somebody's fucking it up for them, they will do this, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Cooper Smith, why haven't you cleaned up this 400-year-old basement yet? Yeah. <laughs> How come you haven't cleaned up all the goddamn, you know, 4,000 years worth of dust? Is that 75 candles you lit? <laughs> it, it looks like a fucking lost boy party down there dude yeah <laughs> so he's like all right go get something to eat you little fuck and he's like all right uh i guess so so like they just leave him down there the mess like everybody goes to the mess hall for dinner and then like he's like yeah uh yeah dinner's over so you get whatever is left and he's like literally <laughs> scraping like fucking like the crust off the bottom of these pans this fucking chef the one person who's nice to him but also kind of like really abrasive at the same time 
Yeah, he's just like this old Italian guy, and he's like, hey, Cooper Smith, come here, you fuck you. I love this character. Yeah, yeah he's pretty great. He is the he is that character that is like too proud to like actually admit that he's being nice if that makes sense sure like that stereotype like yeah i'll do a nice thing but i'm not i'm gonna be kind of a dick about it because you know i'm a guy i don't have feelings sure he is very new new york new jersey polite in that oh yeah he's gonna talk to you the same way <laughs> but his intentions are what sure. and, like yeah. i used to get uh i used to get go to this uh I used to go to this barbershop when I was little, and, like, it was filled with people just like this. Like, it was it was filled with employees like Donnie, Frankie, Paulie, Tony. This is my family, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is nothing new for me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's uh, he decides to cook uh, Ron Howard a delicious-looking steak. Yes. Um, Ron Howard's and, uh, there. Holy shit. Ron Howard. Yeah, he cooked Ron Howard's steak. <laughs> and get Ken Howard. He came in. They sat down. They, they made it a threesome. Hey, thanks, Jake. I really appreciate it. So- sorry, Clint. I thought you were your famous brother. <laughs> oh, well, give me back that steak, you. Yeah. Give me back that steak. It's for him. <laughs> it's for him. Gives it to Ron. Clinch is standing there like with nothing. He's like, eat a fucking corn dog. They're in the freezer. Yeah, go get a frozen brownie. Here you go. Here's some fucking bones that I got for the pup, and this is for you. But he sits down with him, and he has kind of what I think is my favorite exchange in the movie, where he's looking at me, he's like, you don't belong here. He's like, this is for misfits. He's like, we're supposed to take these kids in, clean their asses out, and send them back out in the world, you know, normal. He's like, you you don't fit that mold. Well, they talk about often in this movie how if he wasn't picked on and he applied himself more, he would actually get really good grades because they keep talking about how smart he is. He has the whole catapult thing with he's going to figure out the exact trajectory of it. Even the colonel's like, oh, you're so smart. What the fuck's wrong with you? What Do I got to bully you some more just like everybody else? <laughs> well, obviously <laughs> that is the issue. Why aren't you responding to all my negative reinforcement? How come you fuck? How come you keep fucking up? How come you, how come you can't get along with anybody? What the fuck's wrong with you? Why right. are you going to lose a goddamn soccer competition? It's got nothing to do with your parents being dead in a horrible accident and that you're being bullied constantly. Get over it, he says. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does say that, right? The colonel, yeah, get over that death. Yeah, whatever. Just your parents. (laughs) You've been left alone in the world by yourself and dumped in this fucking shithole. But fuck you. Well, yeah, what do you you think of Batman? Get back to class. Look at this young man up the road. You know, Tyler, he you know, he doesn't have his parents, and every day <laughs> is, is uh, sunshine and rainbows to him. Why don't you be more he's, like him? He's a thundering fucking idiot. <laughs> huh? What do you mean, doll? I didn't see a doll. Well, that's another whipping. Bend over, assume the position. The other thing is, like, uh... They keep saying, oh, apply yourself, but hey, maybe also discipline Bubba and his cronies, like, and discourage them from doing literally everything they're doing. Oh, yeah. No, because because the, his mom's the fucking uh, governor's uh, right-hand woman. So, fuck you. Exactly. And that's kind of why, you know, maybe I'm putting my tilting my hand a little, but that's what I like about this movie, is that it's, it's realistic, because, like, if this Clint oh, yeah. Howard character, all this shit kept happening to him... You would hope that the adults would step in and stop this from happening, but the reality is more times than not, they don't. They will not, no. Especially if it affects something that they're, a conflict of interest, you know what I mean? Which is the most pettiest shit ever, but, like, it's true. Right, especially with the uh, Reverend and, and Kincaid, for sure, with this whole church money situation. Yeah. And, like, Reverend's supposed to be, like, the fucking neutral party in this situation, and it's just, like... <laughs> right? The damn coach is more neutral, and he's basically telling the, the boys to knock off uh, Clint Howard. Yeah, no, he's not. He's just as bad as the Reverend. Well, uh, okay, sure. I'm just trying to think, like, who won the pecking order? Maybe the, maybe the pain-in-the-ass teacher that writes him up? Maybe the lowest on the end of shitheads? But you think, uh, he's still you, not that great. 
Yeah, and you think, like, he is going to pop in sometime later and, like, kind of be like, hey, Cooper Smith, like, what the fuck, man? But even he doesn't do that. He right. And he's just a little too late. <laughs> Cooper Smith, are you are you summoning the devil? <laughs> oh, God, I'm too late. The only adults that don't suck are the guy working in the kitchen and the guy working at the stables. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, they are the only two people who've shown any modicum of concern for him. The blue-collar workers. Shocker, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Overall, wearing Godwin brother is like, hey, don't get in that pig pen, you'll die. Right, and Jake's like, here, uh, I can see you're having a rough time. Take a puppy, because it's it might not make it anyway. <laughs> and he, I like this because Clint Howard like gives him this speech. He's like, he's like, oh, what's wrong with the little one? Well, how come you won't get, you know, how come you won't feed? And and Jake's like, hey, you know, sometimes you can't fucking get what you want in this world, and some some of them are just some people are just gonna die or whatever. Yeah, they, let yeah. nature take its course. And uh, Cooper Smith's like, oh, well, I know what that's like getting kicked and and st- and kicked when you're down and scratched up, but you got you got to be tough and you gotta you gotta get your way out of the top because it's a, it's real bad life out there. But I can understand why you wouldn't want to make it because the world sucks. <laughs> like, sure. Well, and it's all it's also one of those scenes where he is clearly like he's saying this about the puppy, but he's talking about himself, oh, and Jake yeah. is picking up on that big time. Oh, for sure. Christ, kid, you're depressing me. Take the dog. Here you go. Just get out of here, would you? <laughs> Jesus. I got like six other of them anyway I'm going to sell, so... Uh... <laughs> I say he's breeding puppies on the side. As long as you stop talking about your sad fucking life. Here you go. I know your parents are dead. Get the fuck out of here. And, he, and you know, he feels bad for him, but he's also like, yeah, uh, if, if anybody finds you with that, uh, you didn't f- you didn't hear it from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that looks an awful lot like the dog that Jake has under in the kitchen. Yeah, well, it's like a Hagrid situation if they know he's got the dogs he's gonna get them taken away i I don't blame him (laughs) he's got he's got a giant spider living in the fucking kitchen oh yeah dragons that he's got to get uh ron's brother to to go hide in norwegia or wherever the fuck he's smuggling fucking illegal uh pets that's his job that's a side business yeah hagrid this looks like one of your dogs jake i don't even talk about i got a dog what's a dog never heard of a dog before get him a face (laughs) what do you mean you don't know what the dog is I think those are my two favorite characters in the movie. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So he goes down, so he takes the pup down to the place, and he still needs the consecrated host, and he's like, you're gonna, hey, uh, my my buddy Freddy, you're gonna live in this little cupboard here, you go. Ah, oh, man. We're pals, me and Fred. This dog is so stinking cute. Yeah. Friends to the end. Nothing bad could possibly happen to this dog. Ugh. They tease us with it early because uh, Sarge hears him fucking around with this dog. Yeah, he sure does. Do I hear the sounds of joy emanating from his <laughs> caves? <laughs> you didn't think I knew this was back here, did you? Oh, wait. What is all this shit? Because now that we're talking about the scene, I do recall he he did not know about it. Um, which is just shocking to me because he lives down there and all all Clint Howard had to do was like move some debris and like ply away some wood. That was it. It was easy as that. Yeah, well, he, yeah, right. And he like falls off a fucking bookshelf or something and that wakes him up. Oh, right. It's like right. styrofoam cup and freaked. He's like, oh, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. Except, you know, in freak, that was obviously for comedic purposes, but uh, no, for sure. God, damn, um, that scene's amazing now that you bring it up. <laughs> 
so so he's so so Clint's down there and he's like, Okay, pup, you hang here. I gotta go finish what I'm doing. So he recites the whole fucking thing again. But uh or the second part of it, but it's still like uh, excuse me, still need this, the consecrated host, and it's just like flashing blood on the screen. Well, because he goes up and he gets like regular host, just assuming that's yes. what it's talking about, like the bread. Yeah, like the body of Christ host. Eucharist. Yeah, yeah. He burns that and nothing happens. He's like, huh, shit. The hell? And they're like, no, blood, idiot, not that. He, like, hears, he hears, like, that creepy voice, like, he finally summons Satan, he oh, feels like. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he hears this creepy voice, um, and he, and, and it ends up being fucking Bubba and the, and a bunch of his asshole's friends, like, fucking dressed in these, like, costumes, and they scare the shit out of Cooper Smith, and he fucking knocks himself out. But he, he wakes up thinking that it worked, because he's like, oh my god, druids. Yeah, well, Esteban totally comes online for sure now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, this is when we start seeing that screen on the top. Yes. God, it. Fu- I laughed every time I saw it because it looked like a fucking logo. It looked like he was trying to sell a nightclub. I fucking love it. Yes, to come to Esteban's Steakhouse. He wakes up. He goes back there, and then the dog starts kind of making some noise. And uh, Sarge comes in. Does he give him like some bones or some shit at one point? Yeah. Well, he the Sarge doesn't come in yet because he like goes and he's like dumping fucking garbage or something. And then Jake gives him like a bag of bones. And he's like, hey, this is for the pup. There you go. Yeah, but you didn't get them from me. These definitely aren't uh, the remains of kids that I got from Sarge. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah, right. Bad pet owners. Don't give your dogs bones. Yeah, especially cooked ones. Yeah. So that's when he goes back down, and then he's like, oh, I got some bones for you, Freddy. Here you go, buddy. He's like, all right, you you be quiet now. And then, like, for whatever reason, he climbs the shelf, and, like, f- all these fucking books yeah. fall down on him. <laughs> I have to get Buzz's allowance from up there. <laughs> Buzz's life savings. Unfortunately, there was no fucking BB gun up there. No. He could have used it. Oh, yeah. Or or a regular gun, honestly. That probably would have been better. You could probably fire it down there, and nobody would hear it, but you'd be deaf. Sure. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he wakes up Sarge and Sarge is like poking around with his fucking booze bottle and he's like, Where well, I hear you down here, motherfucks, you cocksuckers. I know you're here. And then he like goes back to sleep. Dude, because Clint Howard like reassures the dog, this uh adorable puppy, by the way, in case we can't state that enough. Oh yeah, they keep showing this cute pup. And he's like, Ah, it's just Sarge, he's probably drunk the fucking loser. <laughs> And he goes to, like, walk out, and Sarge is, like, right there, like, the Frankenstein's monster. Like, ah! <laughs> He's like, what the fuck are you doing down here, you little shit? And he's like, oh, nothing. Uh, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, I, I knew you were in here. What, what's that? Is that my crowbar? You motherfucker. <laughs> it's about to be a killing joke in here. <laughs> <laughs> Red letter day for Clint Howard. He's like, he's like, I, you, what else you lying to me about, huh? You fuck. And he's like, oh, oh is that a fucking dog? Are you fucking serious? He's, and he takes this dog, this scumbag, and he's about to, like, break its neck. And Clint Howard's like, no, don't do that. He kicks him right in the fucking balls. Good on you. Yeah. And then there's this creepy-ass scene where <laughs> Sarge is like... How is this not counted as the human blood sacrifice, by the way? Uh, 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 I don't know. It, be, because, <laughs> well, we get to it later, but that's what I thought, right? Like, So he fucking goes to take a drink and he's like going after Clint Howard. He's like, yeah, baby. He's like, he's like, he's like, that was a good trick. He's like, he's like, yeah, you want to see me turn a little boy into a little girl? Here we go. I love that when he squares up with him, He's, like, got his hands out ready to wrestle, and then he reaches into his pocket, takes a swig, and goes back to squaring up with him. Oh, my God, dude. He's, it's, it's like, it adds a whole extra level of fucking grossness to the scene. Hey, I need my medicine. Hang on. <laughs> I gotta take a swig ready to go. So Esteban fucking comes back online, and then 
he has the power to grab this guy and twist his entire fucking head around. I guess. Via <laughs> via uh, 90s screensaver graphics. Yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly did not really totally understand what was happening here because it just looked like the Esteban symbol, which again is just basically a red pentagram, uh, ha- had a bunch of uh, symbols come out of it that resembled a spinning lightsaber and then this guy's head just fucking turned around. Yeah, but it's probably one of the cooler deaths in the film. Sure. No, yeah, agreed. It's fucking dope. Uh, well, I, actually, I don't know. Some of those ones towards the end are pretty fucking incredible. Oh, yeah. It never gets old either. <laughs> so, oh, there's one that I cheered for. Um, but, but but I'm not going to lie. This is, this is cool. Oh, it was awesome. His fucking head gets spun all the way around and he, like, falls over. And then Cooper Smith, like, hides him in the fucking Esteban room. Um, the initial effect made it look like his head spun around, but his lower jaw stayed in place, which I thought was really grotesque. Yeah, that fuck, that first turn, his fucking jaw it does, is non-existent. <laughs> yeah, like it's broken gone. in half. It's, it's totally gone. Well, he he freaks out and goes to tell people, doesn't he? He's like, oh my god, uh, uh, catacombs, Sarge. Oh yeah, yeah, he like runs up to Kincaid, and he's like, not now, damn it. From more or less, he's like he's like me and the coach are talking about how are we going to get you off the fucking soccer team. <laughs> I don't want to hear about how Sarge's next magically broke. Yeah, he's like in the basement. So- Sarge, he's like you're dismissed, you little shit. Get the fuck out of here. Go clean yourself up, you scumbag. God, you're sweaty. Like so, he goes to hide the body, and he like pulls back this like curtain, and he finds like all these skeletons and shit, and Esteban's fucking tomb. Oh my god, <laughs> his fucking metal ass tomb. <laughs> it's dope. It's a giant cross that says Esteban on it. Yeah. Why is this cross not upside down, by the way? I think because they're trying to keep him there, right? Uh, okay, sure. Is that the sure. idea? That makes sense to me. This giant concrete fucking cross <laughs> yeah, over his grave. That'll hold him. I love how his coffin just has Esteban on it. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> the best part. Father, not, you know, no first name, no last name, just Esteban. <laughs> his name is Lorenzo. Yeah. They could have put that on there. It does come up in the beginning. They, they wanted to keep it simple, though. This guy, he's like Prince. He gets one name. That's fine. Yeah, refer to me as Esteban. And uh, t- to Joe's earlier point, this is some Resident Evil, like, four or five ass, like, area. <laughs> where it's, oh, like, It yeah. looks like almost like a, a separate section of this area entirely. There's a, there's a spinel in the fucking, in the, uh... In the crack of something, he's going to shoot it out. <laughs> There's a guy running in with a chainsaw about to cut off fucking, uh, yeah. cut his head off. The fucking Ganados are in there. This shit looks like Goro's Lair. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's another one for sure. So we cut back and forth between this and uh, and Friedmeier again, the uh, the secretary. Oh my god, here's that scene. Yeah, there's just like so she like takes the book home or to her apartment or whatever, and then like she proceeds to get undressed in front of the fireplace like you do before you take a shower. <laughs> Like, full nude. Not, not like, on their bed or, like, in the bathroom right next to where they're going to get in the shower. Like, in a totally separate room, seductively in front of a fireplace. But uh, before she gets naked, she tries to take that fucking sigil off again with a screwdriver. And Satan says, you know, you did it three fucking times, and that's my magic number, so uh, you gotta die now. <laughs> Esteban's like, shit, I gotta activate the pigs now. Yeah! <laughs> Leave it alone, it's fine the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> this is some brutal shit, though, because... Yo, it's great. She's in the shower and, uh, you know, doing her thing. And uh, these these uh, warthogs kind of just, like... 
they get, they kind of form in her house, but then break through the door. Well, they're like in her house, and she's like, I hear a pig noise out there. What the fuck? She opens the door, and then they bum rush her into the fucking tub. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And then uh, one gets on top of her, and there's just uh, gushers of blood coming off of her. Oh, yeah. One of the cut scenes here, like in the, in the censored version, like there's a scene where the pig like rips her guts out at the end and like eats oh, it. Oh, that was present. Oh, that's in there. Oh, yo, no, for sure. I'm saying like back when it was cut, like in the 80s. Sure. Oh, I, yeah, there's some stuff I saw in this movie. I was like, that was definitely cut. You know, you know, they definitely left the, the full frontal and the ass shot in, but they had to cut out the uh, the guts getting eaten. <laughs> I think there was extra nudity that was taken out as, as back then sure. as well. <laughs> I just know, you know, razor back, barely yeah, any right. cursing and, uh, you know, full on uh, front frontal of, of uh, what's Jake's daughter in that film. So she's out of the movie and then the book just disappears like the Necronomicon or some shit. <laughs> It transports itself into the fucking tomb. I was going to say, it wraps up its own subplot and then advances to the rest of the film. (laughs) All done. Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly what it does. And again, it's like, well, what are the limitations of this before he actually resurrects him? There are none. You know? That, uh, you know, the magic in this movie is not consistent (laughs) at all. I mean, I'm with it. I like it. I'm just... Sure. It's satanic. Poking the hole in it. Yeah, I'm not trying to overthink it. I'm just thinking, yeah, sure, Satan's involved. Of course it would disappear. So he drags Sarge into the tomb, and now he's got his, his journal back. And and he doesn't question it at all. He's just like, huh, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> That's where I left this and just picks it up. <laughs> Let me continue to translate it now that I have it back in my possession. Thanks, Esteban. I needed the last puzzle piece. <laughs> Again, this sounds like some pretty dark shit, but let me just make sure for sh- for science, let me go through every page of it. Listen, he's not an idiot. We already said that he's very smart. He knows exactly what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> You're right. Well, right. I'm I'm overselling the point here. Like he knows pretty quickly what he's getting into. <laughs> Especially after he saw like whatever that like lawnmower man ass shit like graphics that appeared out of thin air and then this dude's head spun around like if he didn't get it yet like that must have been the turning point this is real heavy shit i got myself into (laughs) (laughs) so then like uh cooper smith's buddy comes to get him what is it kowalski and he's like hey man you're gonna miss the show or whatever um and then we cut to a, a, a a uso show for little boys this was insufferable (laughs) okay so in the extended cut, I'm assuming that a lot of this was cut based on the way that it was in this film. Different color grading, and that it goes on forever. Um, two interesting points about this. We we get the whole pre-show of them going up and down the runway, and the coach listing off their names and their ages. They're all underage. In this cut that I watched, on the Blu-ray, they do not say their ages. I, You know why? Because the, blue, the one wearing the blue was 16, and the other two were 17. <laughs> Uh, that's probably why they cut the line, because the colonel and the fucking reverend and everyone are yucking it up like, ooh, yeah, look at that hot piece of ass. <laughs> oh, yeah, they sure are. I'm like 16 and 17. Are you kidding me right now? That's the MO of this fucking military school, dude. And, you know, of course, Bubba and the Alex Jones guy and the rest, the, 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 the guy who just does fucking dog noises are all like going full Tex Avery on these uh, swimsuit models. Oh, yeah. For for the Miss, uh, what was it called? The Miss Howitzer or some shit? Miss Miss Heavier Artillery. Yeah. 
which is super cringy, by the way. Especially when, like, the old men are like, yeah, she's a good looker. Yeah, I like it. Because if you're watching the movie and you don't know that that's how they're setting it up, like the version Joe saw, you're like, okay, yeah, sure, early 20s, whatever. This is cringy, but sure. But 16 and 17! I'm pretty sure the one in blue that is 16 is the one that then Clint Howard hits on later. Uh, no, he hits on the one that didn't win. Because he's like, he's like, well, then the other 17 year old, take your pick. How old is Clint Howard <laughs> supposed to be in this movie? 18, maybe? 30. But actually, I'm glad you brought that up because that's my whole problem with the sequence is it only serves a plot point that comes like five fucking minutes later and you didn't need any of it. No, not at all. Like, it could have just been, it could have, like, instead of all this bullshit, it could have just been Bubba and his gang with just two chicks that they, like, brought onto the property right, when right. they weren't supposed to. This is something that probably sounded way more interesting in the script, and then when they filmed it, it was like, yeah, maybe there's a reason why you cut half of this. <laughs> and, unless they were like, yeah, we're going to hit home that all these fucking people are creeps. I mean, I got that without this. <laughs> right, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we get the winners, and the entire time, everyone's enjoying it, but uh, we get this great shot of Kowalski and, uh, you know, Cooper Smith sitting there, and, and Clint Howard just is, like, shitting a brick the entire time. Because this guy's dead now, no one will listen to him about it, he doesn't know what the fuck he's gonna do next, and everyone else is, like, hooting and hollering over this fucking, uh, (laughs) contest. Not even, he's just upset that the one girl lost that he wanted to win. Well, that, you know, that adds to his frustrations. That's what he's so upset about. (laughs) And then he confronts her, he's like, she's like, they're, like, behind the bleachers smoking a joint, and he's he's like, you know, uh, I I thought you should win, You, you were the prettiest, and I'm sorry you didn't win, and she's like... Are you serious? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm like really serious that like you, you, you definitely should have won that instead of the other girl. They are smoking, by the way, like the smallest fucking roach I've ever seen. And they're just like passing around this fucking nub of, of a joint. I don't know how anyone's getting high off of this. My fingers are burning. Yeah, exactly. You getting high on this? No, but I got third degree burns. This is all paper now. <laughs> yeah, this is all paper. Uh, and then like fucking... Bubba and the and the gang come up and they're like, "Hey, Cooper Dick, uh, you smoking weed, huh? Well, guess what? We're gonna smoke this joint with these chicks and then we're gonna blame it on you, so you get kicked off the fucking soccer team." Isn't this incredibly contrived? <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> we're gonna pull your pants down and just leave you here. Don't pull them up because the colonel's gonna walk up and expel you. <laughs> he's gonna be. He's, he's hiding right over there. Why? Okay. So these motherfuckers rip his pants off, and they all just walk away. Everybody just walks away, and they leave him there. Right, and also, like, these girls, like, act like they feel bad with it, like, feel bad about it, but then also just, like, leave with the bullies. Oh, yeah, because they're like, well, he's he's hot. I'm going to go hang out with him. <laughs> they're like, hey, don't do that. All right, we'll come with you. Yeah, fuck it. Well, you got beers? Okay, let's go. Uh, but when the colonel comes up... It like he's obviously been like hazed, beaten, beaten up, or like abused or whatever. Yeah, and he's laying like face down with his pants off. He's like, Jesus Christ, Cooper Smith, what are you doing? <laughs> he's like, you're, you're disgusting. It's like the uh, te- the teacher from Death Note. What are you doing out here with a head injury? God, yeah, he's such a fucking yeah. failure. Well, right, yeah. <laughs> in, this, in the same in one foul swoop, he's like, he's like, you're a fucking disgrace. Guess what? You kicked off the fucking soccer team. You can't play anymore. Goodbye. It's almost like I rehearsed this. Yeah, and if you screw up again, you're expelled. It's almost like I was waiting for something to happen like this yeah <laughs> which is like he had even standing there the whole time to see this entire thing go down because he materializes the second after they walk <laughs> dude he was watching in the bushes masturbating oh yeah get your ass out of here yeah <laughs> hey bubba 
<laughs> I don't know. I just picture Loomis there telling him to get the fuck out of here, and then and then he walks over and, and reprimands Clint Howard. He's about to go say six times and jump out, but then the colonel comes. He's like, oh, damn it. Stepped on my line. He's like, he's he's just now putting the shells on the ground, and the colonel walks out <laughs> and sees him in the act. No one's supposed to know about this. For the first time ever, he's like, wait. I don't belong here. He just casually walks <laughs> off. Like, he, he just, like, disappears in midair. He just, like, a circle, like, turns into, like, his body just <laughs> changes into a circle and just Loomis just disappears into the ether. <laughs> what is he, like, fucking Bigfoot? We don't understand how he works. He goes, like, Shinnok in Annihilation, just, like, folds up. like Yeah, like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> just steps into the next portal. Oh, well, I was just passing through. Sure. I gotta find my next uh, slasher uh, opponent. Oh, hello, Quan Chi. I didn't know you were in this movie. Oh, you're not. <laughs> God, Loomis versus Quan Chi. Something to revisit at a different time. Quan Chi, have you ever been shot before? <laughs> How about six times? How about six times? No, no, I haven't. Why do you ask? I can't die that way. I feel like Quan Chi could take those bullets, but is too proud to take them and would purposely find a way to dodge them. He's that kind of asshole. Oh, sure. Or like redirect them at Loomis. But then someone punches him in the nuts eight times. Um, and then he's surrenders well, yeah right and then and then he loses all his powers and scorpion just cuts his head off and you know <laughs> fucking we, we write him out of the storyline for now and that's it and we, he'll just be ahead for the next movie or next game you know what honestly <laughs> mk12 put him in a fucking super armor suit of some kind <laughs> Oh my god, like a like a like a scorpion buster. Yeah, yeah. Or he's floating around like the genie from Pee Wee's Playhouse, fighting people that way. They call him Tron Chi. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get Ed Boone on the line with that Tron Chi line that Connor just dropped. Oh yes. <laughs> so they so they end up going into the church like the babes and the fucking and the bullies and they like raid Sarge's fucking room. They're like, yeah, he's got the good shit. And they drank this fucking man. Oh I wouldn't my put god. my mouth on that fucking bottle. Yeah. I wouldn't touch anything in Sarge's room. Talk about a good way to get a uh, STD. It's all covered in fucking cum and dirt and all kinds of shit. Oh, yeah, you know he was jerking off into that bottle and drinking it. <laughs> he was that kind of crazy. But, yeah, they, they end up in the uh, they end up in Esteban's uh, tomb because the one girl that Clinton Howard thought should win finds his little secret hideaway, and they, they all make their way over there. She hears the puppy. Yes, yes. And, uh, of course... Because these guys are scumbags. They're like, well, it's Clint Howard's puppy, so we gotta fuck with it. Yeah, they're like, look, it's like, all this shit's like black magic and shit. Uh, uh, we gotta we got do a sacrifice. Give me the, give me the dog. We gotta feel the room here. Feel the thing, you know, feel the move of the room here. <laughs> yeah. The what fucking Alex Jones is like, I'm not committing sacrilege, man. That's fucking sacrilegious. <laughs> but then moments later, when he's got the sword to the puppy's neck, they're all like, kill, kill, kill. Kill. Yeah, what happens to these people? Like, <laughs> okay, I'm almost positive that they get influenced by Esteban, like through the computer, to like to like get him to do it. Sure, I I, I could believe it. This is where you John Wick him do it. Well, I hate to break it to you, Connor. I, I'm sure we're all leading to that point in the MDU. This uh, wrinkle <laughs> in time, if you will. But uh, Clint Howard is got to be. The MDU's John Wick. He is. I think so. I mean, he's the one who goes on a, a, a like a comparable rampage, just with like the amount of like yes. grotesque shit he does in a short amount of time. So, in fact, this entire episode, I knew I was gonna say something along those lines, and it was on the tip of my tongue for like ninety minutes. Like, what the fuck was I gonna say? He was the MDU of. <laughs> and then, as we got to the scene, I was like, oh yeah, duh, Clint Baba Yaga Howard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, okay, yeah. Baba Yaga. Bathes in the blood of uh, virgins, and 
yeah, that lines up. Yeah, it could. Yeah, sure. The, or the blood of his enemies, rather. There you go. He's the one you send to kill the fucking boogeyman. <laughs> But sadly, uh, at least they do do this off screen to lessen the blow a bit. Uh, they kill this puppy and uh, they're doing it because they see on the computer that they need this host uh, uh, sacrifice. Yeah, the consecrated host. Yeah. And fucking for whatever reason, Bubba's drunk out of his fucking mind. And he's like, he's like, we're going to kill this dog. We're going to do it. And you're going to watch me. And they're like, no. And then they're like, OK, do it. Kill. Kill. Do what the creepy computer says. <laughs> so he fucking kills this dog, and then immediately, because, okay, so on the screen it says blood, and then consecrated sacrifice required. As soon as they kill a dog, it says, oh, wait, I meant human blood, human blood, consecrated sacrifice. Read the fine print. <laughs> yes, god damn it, I forgot that caveat. Well, okay, well, I guess it, I get, you know, is, is killing an animal sacrilege? What do you think, Reverend? <laughs> is killing a puppy sacrilege? <laughs> That's ex- exactly, exactly. Can you get? Can you commit a sin against a dog or a puppy? Richard Harris just walks out of the shadows like yeah, it's a revenge killing. <laughs> huh? What? Who the fuck is this kooky old Irishman? <laughs> no, I'm saying like you've you've just activated a revenge killing, and this is what happens. <laughs> you've done it. You've made me appear. You've summoned me. This is a pre-revenge killing. There's no coming back from this. You're fucked. <laughs> You might not understand what you've uh, brought upon yourself. I don't know, I'm turning Scottish as this accent continues. And I actually am not that bad at an Irish accent, but I'm fucking this up royally. Let me let me tell you a little story about a uh, oh, whale. He pulls up a chair, he breaks down his whole orca backstory. So are you, uh, you, you prepared to fight that kind of vengeance? Because you, uh, <laughs> you just killed this boy's only precious object, a, a living creature. Did you have to tell me through a pop-up funny? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, like, steals the bartender's gimmick. Why does everyone have these? <laughs> It's on loan. Fucking Woody comes in. He's like, hey, man, I didn't say you can fucking take that one. What did you do with that? I was looking for it. You're so late on that rental, it's not even funny. Richard Harris just shakes his head, snaps his fingers, and Anton Shigarwal also walks out of the shadows and just blows him away. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Anton. There's a fucking hole in my collection, and that was it. God damn it, I've been chasing you for weeks. There's a hole in Woody now, and, and, you know, after Anton does his job, Richard Harris tosses him a packet of peanuts, and he goes back into the shadows to be uh, summoned again. Wait a second. So Richard Harris becomes the bartender? Well, you know, I, you know I'm just kind of running with the whole uh, No Country for Old Men theme where Anton Chigar shoots the bartender, Woody Harrelson. Gotcha. And uh, just saying that Richard Harris summons him to do his dirty work. I just think he's... I just think he, like, just respawns. Right. Well, so, okay, so if Woody gets shot, he just respawns at the bar. Oh, of course. He's a demigod. Yeah. Sure, right. Exactly. Connor's got it. He's not quite wizard level, but he's he's absolutely unkillable. <laughs> he's the keeper of stories. He's like fate. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's story is a pop-up funny. <laughs> he is, uh, he's the watcher of the MDU. He's like Sig Voltson. You know, he's got that alcohol in the brain, but, you know, he always recovers from it somehow. Correct. Instead of a, th- instead of a thread like the Greek gets, <laughs> you get a pop-up funny. And really top-shelf liquor, too. Yes. So, uh... Clint Howard goes back to the 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 crypt essentially and starts shouting out for Fred. He, well, he sees the fucking blood all over the all over the table. Yeah, oh my god. And then like these motherfuckers took this stabbed this dog and killed it and then stuck it back under the fucking board where right. Clint Howard like kept him. Like how fucked up is that? Right, made a little bed for him and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think the way this film is really good uh because like Agreed. Like, not showing the dog. Um, if you showed it, it would feel gratuitous. And because he just reaches in and, like, he pulls his hand back and there is so much fucking blood. Um, yeah, it's even worse. Yeah, it makes it more horrific for me. But the part that is truly, you know, use the word horrific, is, and you know what? 
if you didn't feel for this character yet, if you don't now, I, th- I don't think you got a fucking heart. No. Because poor Clint Howard has this this dead dog in his arms, cradling it like a baby, sobbing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, my God. Like, you want these guys to get it in the worst way. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they that, they really crossed the fucking line this time. And like he's like, it was it was gonna be you and me, Fred. We we were gonna stick together. We were good, you know. We were we were getting like that was his only solace in this whole fucking ball of shit that's been happening to him. Yeah. And then you know Richard Harris comes up out of the chair he was waiting in, and uh, puts his arm around Clint and he says, you know what? It's gonna be okay, Esteban, <laughs> and also with you. And then he. Uh, he disappears back into the uh, into the air. We don't know where he goes, back to the limbo, uh, you know, train station, or if he's visiting the wizards. We're not sure. He's an enigma. Yes. Uh, only to be summoned whenever there is a revenge killing. He pops in and out sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah. He makes his presence known when, when needed. So uh, we have a quick scene where, like, we cut back to the locker room, and it's, like, right before the big game. And they're like, where's Cooper Smith? The coach is like, where's Cooper Smith? They're like, ah, he might be uh, <laughs> uh, detained or whatever, or he, you know, he might not be able to play today. And he's like, all right, so he's a wall. Good, fuck him. He's not on the. He's not playing today. He's gonna be punished instead. Right. Kowalski's the only one that's like, wait a second, this isn't adding up. Aren't you gonna say anything, coach? And then he drops that line. It's like, okay. The coach has like the ugliest little like fucking half smile smirk thing, and then he's <laughs> like, yeah, yes, he's gonna be punished instead. Well, we're we're good. Let's go play some ball. Fuck him. He's costing me the championship. He's costing me money here. Thanks, Coach Tracksuit. Coach Dickface. So it cuts back, and like it, it, the, the screen is still flashing like blood sacrifice. Now it says human blood, and now Clint Howard has officially gone off the deep end. Justifiably so. Like, let's be real. <laughs> no, for sure. It's just a shame that he is now turning to Richard Mole and uh, Satan to, to, to take care of his enemies. But hey, we got to do what you got to do, right? Sometimes that's the only people you can turn to, is Satan and Richard Mole, you know? Yeah, no, agree. So he goes and gets like the chalice where they keep the Eucharist like off the uh, the altar there. Yeah, and the German teacher walks in. He's like, "What? Was ist das? What are you doing?" <laughs> and he like, and Clint is like, "Fuck you!" And he like walks back down into the basement. And he, like, sees that there's, like, blood on the altar and shit. And he's like, oh, what the fuck is this? This is too early. It's too early for this. I must call my Führer and tell him you found it. He's not ready yet. Um, so he follows him into the basement. And uh, he literally walks in on Clint, like, doing the last part of the sacrifice. and uh, Or last part of the ritual. <laughs> and he fucking, like, he says this last bit, and he's like, all right, take me, uh, Cooper Smith. He, like, sign- He like literally signs the pact with the devil. And then the German guy walks in, he's like, what, the f- what are you doing? And Clint, like, grabs him and throws <laughs> him into the ceiling? Dude! Dude, he murders him with the power of professional wrestling, okay? He just fucking gorilla presses him up into this spiked chandelier. Oh, yeah. Well, he gets the power to Richard Mull infusing him. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Mullen, Beazelbub, or whatever the fuck this is supposed to be. Jody from fucking uh, Amityville. Oh, yeah, little bit sure is. He's in there somewhere. So he, like, catches the German guy's blood in the chalice and then finally completes the uh, the ritual of um, the blood, uh, the, 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 the consecrated host, the, the blood sacrifice, and he fucking drinks this blood and uh, is entered by Esteban via computer. Yeah, yeah, uh, yep. He downloads Esteban into his face. Yeah, like Ray stands at the end of Ghostbusters 2 when he gets vigo five for like half a second. I, Ray, am Vigo. I, Stanley, am Esteban. Uh, yeah. 
But he's like, he's he's like, I don't know, is he lucid during this, or is Esteban just totally taking over his body? Like, what is your read on that? Uh, my read on it is that he totally is possessed by him because, just real quick, intercut with this, all of the kids uh, before the game like go to the church to like do like, oh, we're gonna bless everybody and hope f- hope to God we win this stupid fucking game or whatever. Right, and we get all the shithead characters and like some In extra one tertiary spot. ones that also probably need to go. Oh, they all need to go for sure. Yeah, all the assholes all congregate in the same spot. Yep. They're like, yeah, Kowalski, uh, there might be some kind of big murder going on soon, so you just like don't go to the church this particular <laughs> night. Like, you gotta go to the bathroom before this or something. I don't know. We got a script before we uh, were told to go in here, and this is what it says. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I think that after Cooper Smith completes the uh, the ritual, Esteban possesses him, and, like, his eyes, like, go, like, mirrored, and, like... Yes. And, like, his face uh, turns into Richard Mole, and he's, like, reciting yep. the last part of the... the, the uh, the last part of the ritual that uh, that conjures kind of the demons that gives him the power, I guess, to defeat his enemies via hell, via computer. Um, there's even a point where like his face turns into this fucking pig demon thing. There's Jody. There, there's that Beelzebub type character. It's pretty neat. And then his hair also, uh, you know, that toupee that cost him that he had to buy himself. Uh, looks like Egon Spangler took it and just fucking threw it in a microwave and handed it back to him. Yeah, man, goes full eraser head and with this giant fucking sword. Yes, it, you know, and it's Esteban's sword from the beginning. But I was just getting Highlander feels the entire time. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the well, there can only be one Esteban. Yeah. Oh, there's a movie for you. There can only be one Clint <laughs> Howard. He goes through every Clint Howard movie. You know, the few that exist. So while he's getting, uh, you know, the body of Esteban in the basement. Upstairs, the fucking crucifix hand oh, starts bleeding. My God, this looks amazing. It is so good, and like it's supposed to be stone, but like it's this prosthetic arm, and like the veins like pulsate, and the fingers move and shit, and it starts bleeding like this black blood all over the Bible in front of the Reverend. Yeah, and he's like, "What the fuck?" And everybody like just sees the stigmata happening, and Rev starts backing up, and this fuck, and the, one of the nails from Jesus's hand like pops out and fucking nails the Reverend right in the middle of his fucking forehead. Shoots at him like a fucking you know bullet coming out of a pistol. And these all these uh, kids start running, and the coach pulls like a George Costanza and is like pushing <laughs> kids out of the way to get in front yeah, of them to get to the he door. Sure is. <laughs> The fucking doors are locked and everything starts being lit on fire and shit. One of the kids goes up in flames. This is the obvious carry comparison I was making earlier, but a different spin on it for sure. I think this is way cooler than Carrie. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Well, it's different. It's different. And I, I honestly, I'll admit it, I kind of need to revisit Carrie. I haven't probably seen it in 15 years but uh, just the general feel of that, like, they're getting what they uh, deserve by sure. this character who's been picked on, you know, mercilessly yeah. the entire film. I mean, just because, I mean, those are the only two parallels, right? Like, between... Well, yeah, right. It's hard not to make that comparison. Between being bullied and being trapped in this church, right? No, because I want to do I do want to talk about it, but I was sure. waiting to get to this part. Uh, but, like, Carrie's something kind of different only because all of the stress and all of the anxiety triggers her telekinesis telekinetic ability right you know what i mean whereas like clint howard's like you know obviously summoning <laughs> devil well you know exactly I mean? there's your key difference <laughs> yeah. it just kind of yeah. like all this shit builds i mean it doesn't both but with carrie you're 100 percent right it sure. is like this stuff that is in the background of the film that's not really tangible and then it you know yeah. 
all at once happens in this. Like, he is actively doing this ritual for 45 minutes worth of the film, it feels like. Yeah, that and, um, that and Carrie's, like, abilities were already there. And, like, the that scene is more, like, a spark to light the fire. Right, right. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, Clint Howard is like, time to call the devil. Yeah, I need some help. 1-800-DEVIL. Uh, <laughs> 976-EVIL. <laughs> we're ready to possess you. <laughs> Robert England's like, hey, how you doing? I'm going to put you in touch with my my boy Esteban. He's going to hook you up, okay? Here you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, So this guy, uh, a- after he kills the priest, he, uh, you know, like Joe was saying, starts lighting up some of the entrances and exits. One guy gets totally lit on fire. And then uh, he... He, I, what did he floats through the floor or some shit? Probably the one of the best scenes of the movie. The fucking floor explodes. Yeah, like a nuclear bomb went off on the inside, and he fucking levitates out of this basement with a with this giant sword, <laughs> and then a bunch of pigs run out of the fucking of the of the hole. And we get at least my personal favorite kill in this film. This is my favorite too, undisputed. Because <laughs> you have Kincaid, this like weaselly son of a bitch that's like whipping him in his office and trying to be this tough guy throwing his weight around. And he just stands there cringing with his hands up in fear, not really (laughs) saying anything. And and Esteban or Clint Howard or... Clint DeBond, whatever we're referring Clint to this guy as. He comes down with this this sword. I thought he was going to cut his head off, but he comes down in a vertical slice that just hits this guy and does not split his head. <laughs> doesn't split his head in two. His head literally explodes on impact. This is a near scanner's head explosion. Like, it is ridiculous. It is glorious. And to could you imagine seeing this film in, like, 1981? Yeah, I would lose my mind. I was going to say, like, I could see this movie, like, separate from, like, the gore and stuff like that, I could see this particular sequence really rubbing people the wrong way. Oh, yeah. Well, it's really like the last 15, 20 is where it really ramps it up. Like, once the dog is murdered, that's kind of where the movie just takes the hand, you know, the kitty cuffs off, if you will. Oh, yeah. Well, the big thing is Satan wins, and that's the case closed. (laughs) And I I guess that's kind of my point, and maybe I'll I'll go into this a little bit more in my review, but it's kind of like this thing where if just somebody... I mean, I guess, it'll be, again, we get Jake and the stable hand that show him a little kindness, but, like, if anybody else did, again, like, to make the carry comparison, same kind of thing, if if people were just fucking nice to this guy, or, or just, hey, left him alone. Well, yeah. He wouldn't have gone down this path. Just a little love, you know, goes a long way. But then, there, you know, again, then there's no movie, so. <laughs> well, sure. And we don't have this glorious fucking head split if that doesn't happen. Right, well, and, and several uh, more glorious skills <laughs> to come. So, so it's just, so the this is the last, this is the, le- this is the climax, and it's oh, just yeah. people running around for their lives. Fucking Alex Jones gets fucking torn apart by pigs. By literal Razorbacks! Literal hogwash! Um... <laughs> <laughs> They're ripping his face apart at one point. Demons. They're all demons. Ripping <laughs> ripping his guts out. They eat his fucking hand off. They eat one of them. Oh, my God. They eat the fucking guy who makes the puppy noises. He, he gets eaten behind a curtain. His fucking hand flies out. The great scene, too, because he's trying to get through, like, the, the, the part of the confessional that, like, cuts you and the priest off, if you know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, trying to climb through that. And they get him, and they pull him through. And he tries, like, one final burst to get out. And his face is just gushing blood. And, you know, he doesn't make it. Fuck him. There's two more amazing decapitations. <laughs> and, and, like... 
my favorite parts about each each uh, like even the head split that we just talked about but like even these last two it's always clint howard flying across the room yes with the sword like dracula yeah, <laughs> and he fucking winds up in this wide shot and then just fucking full frontal just cuts this motherfucker's head off. I love this sequence so much because it's nothing fancy. He's just approaching people and then decapitating them. And it's satisfying every time. But here's the thing. We say decapitation. It's like he hits him with a blood force weapon with the way that these heads fly off. It's not like a clean cut. He hits no. the neck and the head just explodes off the body just about. <laughs> Like sometimes it's the it's the side of the sword, but the right. head still comes off and like rips off. A blood force trauma, I guess, man. Like with that kind of impact. Holy shit, dude! It's so satisfying. Like you've you've been sticking with these motherfuckers the whole time, and like they're finally getting it. It's so satisfying to watch. Like the effects are cool, and you hate them at the same time. Right. Well, you think mm-hmm. the coach is gonna get away for a hot second because he keeps diving behind pews. And then uh, he pokes his little head out, and uh, Clint Howard's just floating right there. And that's one of the ones where he hits him on the side of the head, and it just explodes off the body. He is—he completely gives up. He's like completely dumbfounded. Doesn't scream or anything. Just goes, Ugh. yeah, yeah. And then gets his fucking head cut <laughs> well, off. Well, that's it. Here I go. And then uh, you know, I was gonna say thank God, but I guess thanks Satan. Uh, this uh, Bubba character gets it the worst. The bit, the main um, bully. He does, but I don't like that it wasn't Clint giving it to him, right? Okay, sure. Yeah, neither do I, because, like, what happens to him is horrific, deservedly so. Oh, yeah, no, for sure, yeah. But I think having Sarge do it, like, have suddenly appears a zombie is, like, that's a disconnect. You're like, wow, I'm not really invested in that. Yeah, and and just to kind of piece that together real quick... Uh, he's running away while while Clint is chopping heads off and pigs are eating people. <laughs> and uh, one of these warthogs kind of goes after him and is grabbing him through like a door, but he but he breaks away. And then he ends up back in the main Esteban room. And like you guys were just talking about, the Sarge has mysteriously come back to life because I guess why not? Necromancy question mark. And goes full Indiana Jones, uh, Temple of Doom, Aztec <laughs> oh, on this guy. He Kalimaz this motherfucker. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> strangely enough, this has been the most accurate to Aztec uh, movie so far. And it was still including a white man doing the act. But hey, uh, it's an improvement. Yeah. He fucking chokes, he chokes him up against the wall and then, like, punches a hole in his fucking chest and rips his heart out. Yeah, yeah. And they show it still beating as it's coming out. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great, yeah. It's pretty uh, great. You're right, it would have been nice to see Clint Howard actually do that, but he was too busy uh, exploding heads. Chopping heads. So then, like, everything starts to light on fire. The giant crucifix in the main room lights on fire and fucking falls over. Dude, Esteban's cross uh, uh coffin at one point oh the, yeah the sarcophagus dude his fucking the name esteban explodes and lights on fire and then like a bunch all that shit happens and then like we come back to it at the end here like joe's explaining and it literally explodes it breaks in half like he's been finally like yes, released. yes yes right it's really fucking cool and then sammy kerr crawls out of it and that's the <laughs> It could be. It could be. He starts jamming on that guitar, dude. I mean, Sammy Kerr was a Satan worshiper. That's how he got those powers in the first place. Fuck him. So <laughs> maybe maybe Cooper Smith should have just called him. Would have been done real quick. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Who are you going to call? Sammy Kerr. <laughs> Ragman's like, don't do it, dude. Like, I always think of that, right? Like, in, in Trick or Treat, Rag, you know, Ragman's like, oh, uh, 
I don't really want to hurt anybody. And Sammy Kerr's like, what the fuck are you talking about? What do you mean? And then this Clint's like, yup, let's do it. Yeah, let's let's start cutting people's heads off. I'm yeah. thinking about this a little bit. You know, I, I briefly mentioned Black Clover earlier, and I'm not trying to go into spoiler territory here, but there's these villains called the Dark Triad. Uh, and basically their thing is that they have the power of devils and, you know, they're coming up in the anime soon. You're not missing a whole lot. But uh, my, my point is, I think that we've just kind of figured out our our dark triad here. Okay. These satanic worshippers that get powers after death. You got you got uh, Esteban. You got mm-hmm. Sammy Kerr. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who the third one is. Maybe it's Mimi Kincaid from Night of the Demons, because there is a female one in the Dark Triad. Are those our three devil-worshipping villains in the MDU that have their own agenda? I could see that. I mean, Mimi goes through all three fucking Night of the Demons movies. So, yeah, I I would say so, yeah. They are not on the side of Hurt or the Wizards. They're kind of like that... uh, you know they're not. You know GVD is also a third party, but they're a, they're a separate third party that uh, you know could at any point in time, you know, due to all their connections to the man downstairs, could uh, take over this entire universe if they wanted to. They don't work for anybody, you know. Well, right. They just do whatever the fuck they want to do. I mean, we talked about during that uh, tornado tag match a few episodes back that Sammy Kerr could take John Hurt out in just about an instant just by getting inside Baby. I think so. Yeah. So there are. There, it's a scary group. To mess with is all I'm saying. It, it's it's a it's a you don't fuck with me, I don't fuck with you thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Isn't there a third WoW faction that like the Alliance and the Horde are like we don't fuck with them? This could be them, <laughs> <laughs> or, or or one of them, one of them for sure. I mean, again, the Dark Triad is part of a much larger thing. I'm not going to go into it. If you haven't read Black Clover or watch it, it's uh, <laughs> go fucking watch it. They're evil, is my point. So this church falls, and we get this pretty grim like ending which i love it's very like lovecraftian because it's like yeah and then uh so the church burned down and um everybody was dead except cooper smith and that poor boy he was so shocked by his friends dying or whatever they put him in the sanitarium and that was it they make it a point to say he witnessed the fiery deaths of everyone but did no one walk in and go like hmm fire cut people's heads off Mm. I, and, and you know what? Again, this is how you get that, uh, you know, setting up for a sequel that was never made. Uh, how, you know, he's in the hospital, but, like, is he still possessed by Esteban? Is it just, you know, regular-ass Clint Howard again? Like, what are we dealing with here? Yeah, so that fades out, and then the computer boots up. <laughs> this is the jobiest shit I've ever seen in, so far. <laughs> it, it's 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 wrapping some shit about, like, the four beasts at the pedestal and all this stuff. Oh, I took a picture of it. Hold on. Oh, it's so hard to read. Hold on. <laughs> it's hard to read just, second. like, when you're looking at it. It is, like, this, like, 80s-ass, like, red, uh, you know, kind of font. Like, you know, you see, like, on an old alarm clock. Uh, that's, you know, they're trying to give you, like, that future tech feel, but then it just makes it really hard to read. Uh, but it just says, uh, echoing stuff from this film and uh, echoing some stuff that we've uh, maybe said already, but uh, here it is. By the four beasts before the throne, by the fire which is about the throne, by the host, holy and glorious name, Satan, I, Stanley Coopersmith, will return. I will return. Vigo. And each time it says, I will return, it's like, pew, 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 pew. Right, well, yeah, yeah. And then we get this this glorious uh, 
uh, NES ass uh, the <laughs> shot of like this video gamey like Clint Howard slash Esteban like freak out face. Oh, it's so good. He looks like he, it's like it's like Clint Howard and Tetsuo, and then uh, derezzed by Daft Punk. <laughs> Uh-oh, I smell another video coming. <laughs> I'm into it. Oh, my God, that whole end scene? I was at this idea hours ago, okay? Oh, okay. And that's uh, pretty much what we leave on. <laughs> that, that That's evil speak. Oh, we cut to credits, baby. That's it. We wrap it up. We're just like, yep, Satan won. Fuck you. Bye. Yeah. Well, we missed that part where every phone rings and, you know, Esteban's on his way. <laughs> every computer screen turned on? Yeah. We had to wait a while again if we ever get that crossover film. And, you know, it's already 2020, so it's probably not happening. But, uh, you know, fingers crossed. I wonder if they ever run into the lightning gremlin. Yep, maybe, maybe that's the uh, other part of the Dark Triad. Maybe it's not Mimi Kincaid. You know, keep the electric. You know, oh, there was no Satan worshiping involved. I'm already, lo- I'm already losing the thread on my own reference. No, 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 no. It would be, it would be because Esteban and Job are in the system as oh. two evil entities. One, one is the devil. One is a god, and one is a gremlin. Sure, sure. Yeah. Mischievous folk. Yeah, the fae folk. You got to get them in there. So, uh, so yeah. So where are we putting this, fellas? Um, all right. So I watched this twice today because. I like to do that just to keep it fresh. Um, this movie's an hour and 44 minutes, and it feels like two and a half sometimes. This movie was very, very nearly in the dumpster for me because I think it has long stretches where not too much is happening. Um, the villains are effective, but after a while, you're like, can we just please like break this up and get these guys their comeuppance already? Question um, before you go on. Um, just going back to the first season of this show, when we had done Guyver 2. Now, I still have not seen the, I guess, cut version of Guyver 2, but I remember when we did that movie, we we all watched the extended cut, and we were kind of like feeling like that movie dragged ass. Do you think this was because yeah. of the extended cut, or do you just generally feel that way? I do. Um because uh, it's like a lot of the stuff that seems to be restored seems to be stuff you could live without, like that fucking beauty pageant. <laughs> yeah, that's um, one for sure. Yeah. You're like, do we need to do this? Can we just move along? Um, that being said, uh, the ending is so wild and so bonkers and so visually satisfying that it kind of leaps up on the shelf by itself because of that. Uh, the gore is amazing. The music is cool. The visuals are like, I've, in my life, I didn't think I'd think Clint Howard looked intimidating and he looks scary as shit during this whole entire sequence because um, he's floating with a fucking broadsword. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of long. And the characters are so detestable that after a while you're like, I just, I, I don't need them in front of my face. And it's so much like just, just bullying and bullying and bullying. So it can get a little tiresome. Um, but shelf, but yeah, but very nearly dumpster. Um, shelf. This movie's a fucking classic for me. Um, I'm absolutely in love with this film. Um, ever since I saw it, I just, I don't know. It, it I love classic, like, kid gets bullied and then gets revenge via supernatural means like it's that's one of my favorite tropes and this does something so special where it's like okay we're gonna do satan but he's in a fucking computer and it's like and he and he wins and he wins he wins like a motherfucker (laughs) it's like this is great i love it um it's kind of it's kind of the embodiment of like how if if you ever um bullied in school or, or or anything like that like you can kind of you can totally relate to cooper smith um and the idea of getting back at the people who bullied you in in a way that's just so goddamn fanciful but also so brutal <laughs> it's like oh man um sign me up 
Um, cause this is where you experience shit like that in movies, not in reality, but, um, the effects are really good, uh, when we, when we get to them, um, it's few and far between until like, until like the, the latter parts of the film. But I think that whole build up there is worth the climax at the end of the film. Um, everybody really sucks for the most part in this. And like, again, like you have a little bit of redeeming qualities with, with the cook and, um, and, uh, Kowalski, but like, they're so tertiary. They're not even really a big part of the plot. Like, even though they stick Agreed. up for Cooper, even though they stick up for Cooper Smith, they're barely fucking there, and they're kind of minding their own business because as soon as somebody's like, "Hey, fuck you, man," they're like, "Okay, I'm on my way." Well, yeah, you know, Kowalski doesn't want to get thrown out the window. Sure. Well, right. Their big crime is inaction. No one does anything. Yeah. So I, I think. It's really satisfying. So there's a couple reasons why. It's 80s as fuck, and I love it. The animation, the, the the idea of the devil in the computer is something that has stuck with me for so long, and it's still fucking so cool and fun. And mixed with like uh, archaic magic and black magic and and lore and shit like that. Um, but then uh, you have this also this other social commentary going on where it's like, oh yeah, here's the one percent being the one percent, and them finally getting what they fucking deserve, which is a broadsword to the fucking head, uh, and getting eaten by pigs. Um, I don't know, it's fucking rad. I love this movie. Uh, shelf, 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 and uh, shelf. I bought this movie fucking every time, every incarnation of this I've bought. If that doesn't say it, I don't know what will. <laughs> um, this is a shelf movie for sure. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but clearly those uh, those final moments in the movie when when he finally, Clint Howard finally does officially go over to the dark side after all this pushing and prodding throughout the film and, you know, prior to the film really, uh, it's, uh, pretty incredible, but I agree with Joe, like, the lead-up to that is, uh, satisfying in its own right. I feel like if you don't have all that build-up, getting to know these characters, uh, that you want to see die at the hands of Clint Howard, uh, it's not as effective. Uh, on the other hand, I do agree with Connor that this extended cut is, uh, possibly, there was some stuff on the cutting room floor for a reason, <laughs> Uh, I, I kind of go back, uh, the other extended cut that always comes to mind for me is Stripes, uh, which I had watched, I don't know if it was with Joe, but definitely with my friend Rob Elliott. Joe might have been there, but I can't recall for certain. It's possible, it seems, it seems, it's ringing a bell. Uh, but Stripes, if you've ever seen the extended cut of that, there's like a bunch of like really long extended scenes that weren't in the theatrical film of like, fucking Bill Murray and Hal Ramis like, getting on a plane and going to, like, a different location and, like, fucking off at, like, a different base. And, like, uh, there's, like, all this added bullshit. And that movie already meanders like a motherfucker in the last 20 minutes. I don't need it. Uh, same in this case. Like, it seems like it was just a few scenes peppered here and there. Definitely that swimsuit scene. Definitely a couple uh, scenes of Clint Howard kind of walking from one location to the next. It's kind of like, why would you reintroduce this? Uh, I, I do like the idea that maybe we actually accidentally watched a fan recut, uh, you know, all the deleted scenes into the movie. That's, uh, you know, again, we watch it on YouTube. Uh, I, I would love to pick up a copy of this film if it wasn't so damn expensive. And I, I guess some people would argue that 50 or 60 bucks isn't that expensive, because remember, like, ten years ago, how much some of these fucking movies cost, but, uh, if I'm buying movies in 2020, and <laughs> I'm not spending 50 bucks, I'm sorry, unless it's a fucking, like, six movies and one or some bullshit. 
Or collector's edition or some shit. Right, like the, the, the fucking 10 film version of Friday the 13th they just came <laughs> yeah. out with. That's like $160. I'm like, yeah, I don't need that, but sure. That's a pretty good deal, though, for 100 bucks. Well, at the end of the day, but I only really need three or four of the movies. I don't need all of sure. them. Sure. Uh, you know, it's like my whole Terminator conundrum. I just need right. one, two, and uh, four. Yeah. Um, well, that's a little different, but sure. Yeah. You know, let's not get uh, into the into nitty gritty on this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, no, let's talk about Terminator for two hours. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, we did it. Go listen to it. Yeah, go listen to it. I, I, I hate to keep tooting my own horn on that episode occasionally, but uh, listen to that intro again, and that shit is still fucking hilarious. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to listen to at least that part. Uh, but, but evil speak. Uh, it is on the shelf, so of course. Uh, we're in the closet, looking over the Baldwin statue, <laughs> trying to figure out uh, how this makes any sense. Uh, you know, A, the uh, connection to Evil Speak, and B, the, the Baldwin statue in general, you know, trying to make sense of it. But, uh, again, uh, you know, reiterating what it's made out of just because, fuck it, you know, Hey Arnold is... I'm assuming people know what Hey Arnold is, but then again, I'm 32, so maybe I'm just disconnected from reality. Uh, Helga Bataki, <laughs> who was obsessed with Arnold, the, the the main character in that show, had a a garbage uh, collection of shit that she had collected over the years from gar- from garbage that Arnold had thrown out and uh, his, his bubblegum, bubblegum, and and other. There was some other shit she was using. It wasn't just bubblegum. Yeah, I think it was mostly his chewed bubblegum, though. She would <laughs> scrape it off the desk and shit. Sure, and, and you know, obviously the the you know, there's gum involved with this statue, but the main ingredient for a Baldwin is tequila bottles and hamburger bags, and you know, old cigarette butts. You know, I don't even smoke cigarette butts, and somehow they keep ending up in here. Uh, but to get to the point already. Uh, so I think uh, to, you know, where does this believe? You know, where does this belong in the shelf? I think. Uh, Unfortunately, for my soul's sake, I need to, like, actually go on the computer and kind of, like, replicate all this shit that Clint Howard did to get in contact with either Richard Mole or Satan or Beelzebub or Jody. You know, take your pick. You know, whether it's Jody from Amityville or Jody from Uncle Sam, I think I'm uh, on the right track either way. And uh, <laughs> They all go by, the, by many names. <laughs> it, there you go. They all speak to the same master. And, uh, you know, I perform this ritual, you know, and... Uh, Believe it or not, like, nothing really happens to the Baldwin statue. I'm not sure if it's now cursed, if it was already cursed, if I'm now cursed. Uh, you know, if I'm going to just randomly be possessed by Richard Mull, uh, you know, at the worst possible time, most likely when I'm ordering lunch, uh, you know, you get in the middle of giving that sandwich <laughs> order and Mull takes over and it just fucks the entire order up. Uh, but, hey, you know, I don't know where, you know, where does that actually live on the statue? I don't know. Some kind of fucking... A spiritual cover around it, good or bad, I'm not sure, but Satan's involved in some capacity, and, uh, yeah, it's on the shelf. This was a fun movie. I, I, I'm surprised I hadn't seen this before, but I, I've been doing kind of, between this show and my personal time, the, uh, the Clint Howard fucking movies, I think I've hit just about every single one, and, again, maybe next year for the, for Movie Dumpster, we'll look at Ice Cream Man, uh, not set in stone, but I think that might happen. And uh, I think we're pretty much coming down to the wire on all the Clint Howard movies. So we, I think we've done them all. I think we're hitting another one at the end of the month here. Um, shelf, I don't, I don't know, just to round out my point, it's on the shelf. Yeah, totally. Um, I also just wanted to make a note that, like, this is maybe, besides Ice Cream Man, the, the only other movie that uh, yeah. Clint Howard is the main character in. I like him a lot more in this than Ice Cream Man. Ice Cream Man, he is just a straight-up son of a bitch. 
well, he's a villain, but like I like how he's playing like the the uh, the victim, for yeah. lack of a better term, in this. I think he, I think he's fantastic. He's great in it as that. Like I, I'm surprised he didn't do more of that. I, wonder, I, wonder, I know. I think he's great. I wonder if he tried and he didn't get the roles, or he didn't want to be pigeonholed. I guess. I guess I could look it up, but uh, I'm curious about that. It's just a shame because like. I think when most people think of Clint Howard, they think of that bit part guy who does all those sure. like stupid little things. But like Ron's ugly brother, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that other guy, right? Like the Shalishes of the world, like we we talk about occasionally from House of the Dead, right? But like if you've never seen this movie before, uh, definitely check it out. There, it, like it's a great like uh, '80s like Satanism movie and like uh, possession film. But, like, Clint Howard really deserves more eyes on this film. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> it's great. I think he's fantastic in it. I, I missed that before, so I wanted to just throw that in there. Totally um, agreed. Yeah. And, again, uh, huge congratulations uh, uh, to our barbecue winners. Um, and thank you all, again, for, for entering. You guys made a really made it really special for us. Um, and we were overwhelmed by the... Uh, by the reaction and then how many people actually participated in it. Um, but we got some good stuff coming up in a month or so. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for that. Cause, uh, you know, we got more events coming. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we actually, as of this recording, got the aprons in the mail. So, uh, you'll find out shortly what you will be in contact with, uh, whoever won to, uh, find out how you'll receive that. And also, again, like thank you to to all our patrons. Um, and again, if you'd like to support the show, you can you can hop over to the Patreon. We got a two, uh, five, and ten dollar uh, tiers that you can that you can help us out with if you want to support the show. And for no money at all, you can jump over to that Apple Podcast, leave us a five star review. That's that might be even better. I mean, we love <laughs> we love the support financially, but. Uh, like Sean says every episode, um, if you can get us out of the dumpster and into more eardrums, that's 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 the big one, right? We want to spread the word on the show. We want to get more people listening to it, more support all around. Uh, but yeah, we like Joe said, we want to thank our patrons specifically: uh, Hunter Davenport, Brendan Lemune, the Autistic Gamer eighty nine, Christopher, Jacob Chavez, Leonardo Roberto Talavera Barocio, Gorlami. <laughs> Um, you know, Connor, you got to learn some more Italian. I think uh, this, this bit will be more interesting for for not only us but for Leonardo. I think the fact that it's just the one makes it funnier. <laughs> um Amanda Tweed, Joe has a mustache, Dustin Elkin, Nick Lowry, Dalton Bell, and Sergio Murillo. Thank you guys so much. And thank thank you guys so much. Thank all the listeners. Thank all everybody who shares all the stuff. Um and again, thanks for thanks for all your support. Uh we really appreciate it. And check that MD guide uh to see what else about what else we got coming out this month, but uh the quick version we got uh we got the Dungeon Master coming up next. Oh, a little Richard, Richard Mole double feature for you. Oh, yeah. We're, we, you know, Mole and uh, Howard are coming <laughs> at you hot and fast this month. <laughs> and and fetuses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't want I don't want Clint Howard coming at me in any which way. <laughs> He's infested. And we got, uh, you know, speaking of fetuses, real sons of a bitches, uh, we, we, you know, maybe I shouldn't have led like this uh, with uh, Arlen Haro coming on the show, but... Uh, <laughs> I specifically meant Charlie Sheen's movie uh, that that we're doing at the end of the month, The Wraith, with with uh, guest Arlen Haro, who we had on last year for The Green Lantern. Uh, that should be interesting. 
Yes. Uh, which also has Clint Howard in it, playing a character named Raghead, I believe, or Ragman or some Are shit. You fucking kidding me. Rugman? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, Rughead. I don't know. One of those. Ha- haven't actually seen it, but I've seen pictures, and Connor, if you if if you've if you didn't know that he was in it, don't look up the pictures because you are gonna fucking die when you see this movie. <laughs> okay. Also, I really hope it's Ragman because then that's like what three Ragmen that we've had. <laughs> well, I I think it I think it's Rug specifically, but you're right. I, I now I'm holding out hope that it is actually Ragman. I think we'll by by the end of this year we'll have the full uh, extent of Clint's MDU participation. Sans Ice Cream Man. It, well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I was kind of <laughs> alluding to earlier. Like the guys, uh, we're we're starting to go through his entire body of work here. <laughs> the ones that count anyway. Sure, sure. And uh, you can find the rest of that uh, info on the MD guide to get all the exact information. Hit up that Instagram. Give us a follow. So that's it. That's Evil Speak from 1981, directed by Eric Weston. Hey, everybody. If you want some more bad movie goodness, you can check us out at moviedumpsterpodcast.com. Subscribe to us anywhere you listen to your podcast, and make sure to leave us a five-star review if you dig the show, because it helps us get out of the bottom of the dumpster and into more eardrums. Yeah, and if you're on the social medias, you can follow us at Movie Dumpster on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw. Thanks for visiting the dumpster. Can I have him? What are you going to do with him? Keep him. Try to give him a chance. Why don't you let nature take its course? Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe this puppy's better off not making it. It's a tough world out there. You got to be able to kick and scratch if you want to survive. I found that out right after my parents died. From what I can tell, like these other pubs, it's the ones that can do the most pushing and shoving that get the biggest piece of the pie.